Hey guys, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates for my graduating class of Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks to my buddy George Barreca for episode 216 in the archives right now, everywhere you get your podcasts. Also available in video at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. The Facebook is WWFNHS, and the Instagram is We Weren't Friends in High School. Just to go back to the YouTube real quick as it pertains to this week's episode, it's a little bit more special because this is the first episode since the COVID-19 pandemic hit early last year that I was able to do an in-person interview. It's been since March. My last guest was Sean McAmon. Episode 119, immediately after that, was episode 120, which was a delayed released episode with Holly Fiore. And since then, it's been all on Zoom. If you checked out the movie review with myself, Kelly Brooke-Morton, and Chrissy DeGroot, we talked about how I was saving Chrissy for an emergency, for a cancellation, for really a snow day. The snow day never came, the quarantine started, and I never got to interview Chrissy. Since COVID... Chrissy and I have been talking back and forth and have always been planning to try to do some sort of face-to-face episode, being that she lives pretty close to me. Originally, in the summertime, we were looking at going outside. Then we wanted to maybe wait until it wasn't 102 degrees. But as things were so uncertain with businesses, Chrissy would get booked for work, which we'll get into during the podcast. So we kept pushing off, pushing off. And I think just in the past two weeks, I think we have two to three set up that we kept canceling. But lo and behold, this is... A Monday, and this was recorded, I believe, Wednesday night. So we just made it. <laughs> I had mentioned in the last episode that my guest was going to be either an L or a K. The L canceled, the K came through, and she actually came to my apartment. This is not the studio setup that I've had during the 100 level, nor is it the setup that I've been doing the 200 level zooms with. My living room still remains the most decorated place in my apartment. So we kept it here. So if you want to see this video with the two of us actually in the same room having this conversation, head over to youtube.com slash red shirt playa, P-L-A-Y-A. All right. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Chrissy DeGroot, a.k.a. Chrissy Shuck. You have no idea how long this took. (laughs) To set this up? My apartment doesn't, my couch is usually more like this and like this table is like that. Did you move everything upstairs because you were doing it Zoom? No, no. So usually like I do, usually I do uh, the Zooms right here. Oh, okay. And shooting right back there. Or in the very beginning, I was doing them over there in that chair, in that stool, shooting back. Interesting. I've redone this place twice since COVID. To try during to figure COVID. out how it works best. Just, uh, I keep getting, this is the second couch I've now had during during COVID. I like this couch. It's nice. It's comfy, right? It's really comfy. This desk is new from quarantine because you had to work. And work from home. At home. Yeah. Uh, I got that and it's just huge. And what when this place was, that? that's a sack. <laughs> like a big bean bag chair? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um. All right, I'm trying not to be like neurotic about it. So this is like so weird. I haven't done a show in person um, since I want to say like March, right when COVID started. I did Sean McAmon, um upstairs. Oh, so like I was saying, yeah, upstairs was a whole nother is like a studio 
with I had a couch. I have a couch now. I've got two, but I had one, and we would do it up there. Um, but then coming down here for uh, Zoom, just because background and everything just looked better. Yeah. And then did it like this when you I said because I don't know how to do the cameras upstairs, and because I moved another couch up there, and like that second room, I don't have any couch. I don't have any closets. That room is like where everything else goes. So I've been slowly realizing how much shit I've had since I've lived here for seven years. Yeah, yeah. Throwing it all away. I've got, if you want a Sega Genesis, there's one up there. <laughs> um, But I got to tell you, I'm like, I'm pretty happy with. How this turned out. It looks good. Um, I was working hard to make sure that bar doesn't pop up because there's a camera here. So we've got three cameras. I haven't done anything like this also since I used to work in med ed where I used to do like podcasts and videos with doctors um, Interesting. all the time. And I would do like three camera shoots all over the country and stuff. And like, so this is like my first time in probably two years setting up something this intense. Elaborate. I don't know if it seems intense, but it's. <laughs> no, it's elaborate. I mean, but to be honest, um, like my, I have a background in theater. Like, so this kind of stuff doesn't really phase me. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're not like intimidated. <laughs> no. No. Um, so welcome, Thank Chrissy. You. I'm glad in person. To be here. We were we joked on the on the movie pod that um I was waiting. It's funny because you called it. You're like, I just figured you're just waiting until someone cancels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was sort of true. I was waiting for legitimately a snowstorm. Yeah. Right. I was just waiting for it to be easy, you know, to get someone who could walk here. It was gonna be you or Kevin Rogers <laughs> in the snow. Um, but then the snow never came, and then time just kind of kept going, and then COVID hit, and I thought, well, I don't want to use my zoom i don't want to use my chrissy card on zoom yeah right yeah so we were trying to plan it and we were trying to get it done before the movie pod dropped and we came close <laughs> we've had like three or four cancellations. i'll be honest this is the most i've rescheduled any <laughs> podcast i'm really sorry i am definitely and you can tell from today like how this came about i am a like i don't plan things i just fly by the seat of my pants and like if you're doing something and i got time i'm in mm -hmm. but i cannot plan yeah. for the life of me. I'm horrible with it too. Yeah. Like I've just recently realized I think I get anxiety about scheduling. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm like, oh, then I gotta think about it for two weeks and I gotta like remember mm -hmm. and I gotta time it out. And then I gotta, you know, what happens if things happen that day and I gotta rearrange my whole schedule. Yeah. Um but where did you grow up? So I grew up um kind of pretty much every town that is in West Hickens School District. I was in Spring House. I was um in Lower Gwinnett, I was in Ambler, I was in Bluebell. Okay. I I was all over the place. So I started out, um, I lived in Woodbridge. Ellen Opplinger oh, yeah. lived across the street from yeah, me. Yeah, I remember um, that place, yeah. We were friends very early on. Um, so I lived there until I was six. Okay. And my parents got divorced. Okay. And my dad moved down the street to the Georgetown Apartments. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so my dad lived there. It's the kind of the land of divorced men. Um, uh, my mom, we almost moved there uh, when I was a teenager. So oh, yeah? That yeah, would have been funny. There was a couple people, like Megan O'Toole lived there oh, and she and oh, I were yeah, friends. Okay. Um, and then like on the other side of that neighborhood was like the Brights Lane people. So they mm -hmm. were all kind of over there. My mom moved to this really old, awesome house on Sunnytown Pike. Um, so we were right on like, you know, where, what is it? Is that not Valley Green? Um, that big white Valley Valley, maybe it's Valley Brooke. Green in right where 202 and Summingtown Pike meet. Eric Mailhorn used to live 
right at that intersection too. Where like the Folkways? Yes, Folkways right. would, be, would have been behind him. Okay. Um, and like maybe a, like a quarter mile up the road. Okay. I lived in this big house. It was um, separated into three houses mm. and like haunted. And it was awesome. <laughs> Some fun ghost stories from that house. Um, but we didn't live there very long. We only lived there for like two years. Okay. And then my mom bought a house in um, Ambler, right on Tennis Avenue. Oh, yeah. So I was across the street from Jimmy Keen. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy and Pat Keen. Yeah. And then Heather Goodwin mm-hmm. was down on the other side of the funeral home. Melissa Shellhammer was down the street. Um, and like finding out later, Anne was over on Grist Mill, but I never played with Anne when we were younger. Okay. Um, Alea Bradshaw was up the street. Mm-hmm. So there was like it was a bunch of people that that lived in that area. But I moved there in fourth grade. And my dad was out in Montgomeryville for a little while, like way up by the mall. So did that put you at Shady Grove? I so I was in Gwynedd Mercy for kindergarten. Oh, okay. I went to Gwynedd Mercy. Um, me and my older sister did. And then when my parents got divorced, we got put into Shady Grove. So I started Shady Grove in the first grade. Oh. I had Mrs. Lewis. Okay. And I, my best friend, very first friend I made. Eric Nelson. Oh, okay. He was the first. Him and Bethany Ooh. were the very first friends that I made at Shady Grove. Wow. Yeah. Um. So then Shady Grove, because I met you, I guess, in fourth or fifth grade. When you right? came in from yeah, yeah, from um. Um. But I don't think we ever had classes together. Then. I don't think so either. I had, yeah. I mean, I had um Lewis, Haston, Burkowski, Bronze, Bronstein, Mr. Bronstein, 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 fourth, fourth yeah. grade teacher. Um, and that was a funny class. Right, with JP. JP and James Eckert, mm-hmm. Kira Marcy. Um, I'm trying to think who else. There's a bunch of kids in there that didn't graduate with us, like a bunch of other kids mm-hmm. that I remember. Yeah, a lot of people ended up like leaving after elementary. Leaving and that, yeah. Um, and that was an interesting class. You guys talked about it. Did you and JP talk about the chess playing in that class? Uh, maybe. I can't remember from, from episode. Once I do it and I edit it, I can't necessarily remember who said what about what. But I I don't remember. I do remember. I played chess in fifth grade, but not in fourth. Fourth, Mr. Brownstein had tables in the back, and you were to come in, put your stuff away, sit down, and play chess. Oh, who do you play chess with? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> See, I used to play chess with Coop. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's cute. Yeah. yeah, I remember not being very good at it, but being very fascinated by it. And okay. I think it was really good. Like, that was a really smart move of him because we all got really calm. Like we were a pretty calm class mm. to like have to go sit down and like really like critically think and right, play right. this game was very, I, th- I always thought that was a really interesting move of his thinking. as a teacher. It's yeah. a thinking sport, right? Yeah, totally. And it was very, I mean, I remember liking it. I remember being like, oh yeah, I could totally play some chess with Kira or something, you know, like going in and playing chess. Um, but I remember that class pretty, pretty vividly. Do you I, remember like, do you remember like popcorn? In Shady Grove, I felt like popcorn was so huge, especially in fourth grade when we were snack? all like, yeah, yeah. Like who had a mic? Because I think like Mrs. Otto had a microwave in her. I don't remember that. You don't remember that? Oh, no. I see. I remember like microwave popcorn was just like everyone had the different brands, the Redenbacher, the Orville. There was like some USA brand that had the most butter. I saved, I go like this because in my head, that's the butter caked onto the side of the bag. <laughs> Gross. That's my biggest, like, that's, well, not my biggest, but, like, that's my favorite memory about, about fourth grade. The fourth grade is yeah. popcorn. Popcorn. I don't remember popcorn. No? Mm-mm. I don't remember that. Um, and then fifth grade, I had Mrs. Johnston. Oh, yeah. She hated me. 
Actually, all all of them hated me. The Why? only teacher that didn't what did you hate do to me them? was Mrs. Haston. She's the only one that would like me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was definitely, and I still am, loud. I'm disruptive. Yep, I'm talkative. I chat. I have a lot to say to people, and mm. or I did then. I, I'm a little bit less chatty now. Um, but teachers just hated me, mm. and. Uh, Mrs. Bukowski really hated me. Um, and there's some, there, I mean, there's some definitely like, I th I think back about it and I'm like, oh, maybe she didn't. Maybe that, like my mom used to tell me she hated me um, a lot. So I don't know if that was true or not, but okay. she was not nice to me. Mrs. Johnston really hated me a lot. Um, but that class was a good class. I had, that's where I met Karen. Karen and I became friends at Mrs. Johnston's class. You're doing good. I'm just going to close the door. People being loud. No, no, no. I'm just starting to finally get cold. <laughs> I'm getting chilly. It's finally starting to, sub to subside in the shower heat. <laughs> um, when you talked about like um, um, you had like Eric Nelson and were you like as a kid, were you friends with them or were they just in your class? Like definition of like did you hang out with them outside of oh, school no i never really hung i didn't really hang out with a lot of kids outside of school um so going back my parents got divorced mm. when i was they separated when i was five divorced when i was six and that just like it was a bad divorce it was very messy it never ended mm. um and one of the things about my mom was she didn't make friends with other kids' parents. She wasn't a PTA mom. Mm -hmm. She wasn't active. She wasn't involved. Um, so there was never, for me growing up, there was never any like, oh, we're going to go play at so-and-so's house. Like, oh, yeah, our moms are friends. Like, I remember lots of little girls always saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know them because our moms are friends. Right. And like, we go into the playground or we go and do that. And I never had that. Mm -hmm. So... For me, it was more of like, um, like I was friends with them in class. Right. But like, I mean, I did go over to kids' houses and stuff. Like we did do play dates on Saturdays. And yeah, that works. Yeah, I had lots of, like I always got dropped off at Inju Cho's house. Inju Cho and I were really good friends. Yeah. Um, Meg, like I said, Megan O'Toole and I mm -hmm. were friends. We lived in Georgetown together. And like, um, who else's house did I go over to? I mean, Bethany and I were friends. There was a girl named Lindsay Kleinfelder that I was friends with. Um, what kind of stuff are you doing like as a kid? What What are you into? I don't remember at all. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. Um, Were you like into Inju Cho house? had rabbits. Oh, she had rabbits in the backyard. She had like eight or nine. She always had like like two bunnies that like had baby bunnies. <laughs> yeah, and she had. You know, we'd go there, and she had a sister named Judy that was older. And Judy was always babysitting us, and she was so much fun. Like, she didn't want to be babysitting us, obviously. Yeah. But she um, would make Play-Doh with us, and she would, like, you know, let us play with the bunnies, and, like, she would make lunch for us and stuff. And, I mean, she was, like, 16. <laughs> so, um, like, I remember that. Uh, but it was hard for me as a kid living on Sunnytown Pike mm -hmm. because that was a main road. There yeah, there's was, nothing to nowhere to go. Yeah, there was I couldn't just walk to someone's house. Um, so that was a lot of like we joke about that being the time that I uh, like watched a lot of soap operas as a kid and like 
Oprah which got really into which Oprah. soaps. One Life to Live. Uh, Loved it. Watched it every day. I was a days guy. <laughs> I was not a days. I was person. home from summer camp one one week with like an ear infection. Hooked. <laughs> Hooked. Yes. Hooked. That's what happened to us too. We like just found it because we didn't have cable and like this. Mm. You know, it was like we had a dial TV that was like three, six, and ten. So it was constantly forty-eight, on. fifty-three, yep. fifty-seven was there 57. too, and like yeah. So I used to watch that. Um, but that was like it. We had a really big backyard and we had a really cool pond next to the house. So, I mean, a lot of living there was just a lot of like alone time, a lot of like, you know, figuring something to do. You have sisters, right? I do. Um, I have Carolyn's two years older than me. I have a brother who's five years older than me. And then I have another sister who's seven years older than me. So you are you are the youngest. I'm the baby. Yeah. Do you um when you say that, like that reminds me when you talk about like a lot of alone time, that's like how I kind of that's how I grew up, unless I was hanging out with like one of my, you know, couple friends, especially at that age. Yeah. Um, I was just by myself alone time. Um because I was an only child. So yeah. You know, yeah. But I don't know. I liked it, I guess. I don't it wasn't it didn't seem odd to me. Did it seem it didn't seem I wasn't lonely. Yeah. I, sh- I sure wasn't lonely. Um, but like you know, I just had to kind of entertain myself, had to find things to do. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, well, I, when I moved into Tennis Avenue, I was in the fourth grade. Mm. So that was a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I had Jimmy and Pat Keen mm-hmm. across the street. Oh, that's played, a great area. With oh, yeah. Kids and, yeah. It was a really good area. Um, there was lots of kids. and Talk like lived around there. Yeah. And then the two families on both sides of me had kids that were like four years younger than me. Mm. So we did go over there and play with them. I used to babysit them all the time. And like we would play over there. And it was actually like that was a big jump, big difference. And I'm not now I'm realizing going from being so solitaire on, you know, Summitown Pike to mm-hmm. moving to Tennis Avenue. That was like, you know, bustling. There was a lot of kids playing. And yeah. Um, yeah. And I had Heather down the street and Melissa Shellhammer, who I played with a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and then we lived really close to Nick's Deli. Yeah, that deli right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And I used to go down there all the time. That's a place his Nick T- or Taki's parents took that place over. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because yeah, Taki yeah. lived around the corner, right. so he lived right yep. over there. Yep. Rena moved there too. Uh, Rena moved to okay. that um, spot too. She, I forget if that was Spring Garden Street or what, but she lived, she lived right there too. You know, it's so funny because like I didn't live far. I lived, you know, in South Ambler across the train tracks, but that was like a whole other world to whole me. I didn't world. know that like all those people were living. In Ambler and never, yeah. I mean, I went to Taki's birthday party, so that's why I knew Taki lived over there. And like, that was about it. Like, unless I went to someone's party, I never really knew. And that would have been Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. So I moved in in fourth grade. I didn't know any, you know, right. like I went to Shady Grove, so I didn't know mm. any of the Madison Avenue kids. Yeah. That yeah. was a completely different world, too. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I never thought about that because I think about us going into that school. I, I guess, you know, when you're that young, especially, and then like maybe like, Two thirds of, of your class is just people you don't know at all. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and fourth grade, I remember being like, it was very strange getting mm-hmm. like, even though you go every year, you go into a new class and there's new kids there and stuff. Um, but I feel like you kind of know who everybody is. And then when fourth grade came along and they merged the two schools, it was like, whoa, there's all these other kids who already know each other. Yeah, and they're all coming in, and now we like have to kind of mix. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it was interesting. I don't think it was bad in any way. I feel like it kind of mixed really well, to be honest. Yeah, I don't remember like having any type of like weird angst about it. Yeah. 
Um, especially because all my friends were in my neighborhood. I didn't, I didn't have like, you know, well, Madison is your neighborhood. So, yeah. um, you know, I, you, you walk to the bus stop <laughs> you yeah. know, with the kids in your, the kids like on your street and it was the exact same, just our bus stop. Eh. I'm trying to think of our bus stop went to, I guess we used to get off maybe at, at Madison. Maybe we walked to Madison or. Nah, we probably still have the same bus stop in Shady Grove. Yeah. Still in, in South Amber. So yeah, it was the same. We walk with like Mike and, and Ray and and all that. And I think I became a latchkey kid at that time. So oh, like you just like I was you know. a latchkey kid yeah, in you kindergarten. Too? Oh yeah. Kindergarten? Was, oh yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> I was a latchkey kid way early. I mean and the These worst kids part don't was, even know nowadays. I know, they have no idea. I like the worst part about it was I rarely ever had a key. Like they wouldn't what give me a key. And like my sister, home? my sister would have a key mm -hmm. or I I used to, it got so bad because like either my key would be go missing or like I wouldn't get, because I was pushed around from house to house mm. constantly. Um, I used to leave windows open at my mom's house. Like I would, before I left for school, I would leave a window open so I knew that I could get in no matter what. Because mm. um, sometimes definitely like if I didn't have my key, my mom would lock the door. Like my mom and I are passing ships. Wow. Like I I have no relationship with her to this day. Like wow. we don't speak at all. Um she like parents got divorced. Both my parents went their own ways. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, oh, we've got these four kids, let them figure it out on themselves. Wow. So she went back to school. She did a whole bunch of night school and stuff and we just didn't really see her mm. that often. Um, then my dad remarried very fast and started a new family. And we were sort of like, I mean, I was a bouncing paycheck, basically. That's kind of what it was. Um, so there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of um, instability. Like my whole childhood was very unstable. So, yeah, I mean, like, I don't have a ton of memories of like, Doing things with my mom. Yeah. Doing things with my dad. More with my dad than my mom um, because he was court ordered, <laughs> required to spend time with me every Wednesday um, and then every other weekend. Okay. So um, he eventually moved to a neighborhood, where, uh, the Yorkshires and Bluebell, where, which is where I met Elena. Oh, okay. He moved, I don't think I know that one. Yeah. That's, it's, well, it's that neighborhood. Um, I think Dustin was talking about it um in his okay but it's it's like right on the very edge of the school district all and right it's behind bluebell country club oh uh, okay 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 yeah, yeah yeah so we i live my dad lived there elena lived there craig mcdonald he was a year behind us he lived there too so my dad moved out there he was in montgomeryville by the mall for a long time and then he moved into the school district so that made it a little bit easier when I kept getting kicked between the houses. Did you go back and forth like throughout the week? You said your dad had like Wednesdays for visitation every other weekend. But so were you going back and forth like every few days? It, um, not necessarily. Generally, it would be months. OK, so my mom would like get mad at me and kick me out. And then oh. I'd go to my dad's house and I'd live with him and then he'd get mad at me and kick me out. And I had to go back to my mom. What do you mean house. get mad at you? Um. You mean just like problems, like arguments with your parents, or do you mean like like they're getting mad at you for behavioral stuff, or just oh just no, like arguments? Like I can't even really remember um, what most of them are. But when it came to my, to my dad, um, fighting with him was really mostly around money, hmm. but money in both sides. 
Um, but he also remarried when I was in the third grade and she hated us from the beginning. And it was very much, um, like we were in her way. So there were a lot of fights that to me felt at the time staged a bit. Oh, okay. You know, um, paint you in a certain light to your dad. Yeah. And, and more so like, she just didn't want to deal with us. She wanted to have her own kid with him and sort of like we were in her way we yeah. were there were four of us you know um and well my brother my oldest sister and my brother they weren't really around they didn't stay at my dad's house a lot like it was mainly me and carolyn five and eight or right? five eight years older so yeah, yeah yeah so kathleen and kathleen went to college early like she was in school early so she actually went to nyu when she was 17. Um, which worked out really well for me got the because room. no, I got oh. the ID. I got the oh, <laughs> so you're gonna say you got the better room? I no, I sh I mean we shared rooms all the time. It was me, either uh, Kathleen and I actually shared shared rooms pretty often. Like we we stayed in the same room. Um, like DJ and Stephanie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, those are the things that I wish I had a like a, a, sibling, a sibling for. for. Yeah, yeah, those things always kind of look cool, you know. Well, they, I mean, I will say like even as much as like right now. My my whole family doesn't get no one talks to each other. Same. I only. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> everyone hates each other. It's like it, you know. Yeah, we talked to like six. <laughs> I talked to my oldest sister okay. that she's the only one. Um, everybody else is kind of. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't talk. I haven't talked to my mom or my dad since 2006. Wow. That was the last time I spoke to them. Wow. And that was a long time coming. Mm. That was very much, I knew at some point that was going to happen. I knew from a very young age. I remember. <clears throat> oh, you knew you were going to cut off connection. I with knew them, that yeah. at some point there would be no relationship. Yeah. Like I remember vividly being five years old, four or five. I was in Woodbridge across from Ellen. And um, I was playing outside. And I don't know why I just thought about a wedding. Little kids, little girls think about weddings. And I remember thinking, I will not invite my parents to my wedding. Mm. And like knowing that at a young age. And that came true. Like I knew that mm. very, very early on. Um, so growing up, I kind of had to, I had to take care of myself. Um, my sister Kathleen took care of us until she left for college. She left at 17 and I was 10. And like, I remember that was the day I had to start doing my own laundry. It's like, damn it. Fuck. I had to do my own laundry. So I did my own laundry, starting at 10, <laughs> um, making my own meals, obviously. Nobody ever packed my lunches. Like, I never had lunch at school. I charged so many times that she had to grow up, they would cut me off. What do you mean charge? The lunch charges. I don't even know what that is. Where you had to go to the, the main office and be like, oh, I forgot my lunch. And they'd give you a little card and then... It's it like was literally a credit and they would charge you and then they would send your parents a bill. Oh, no, I don't I don't think I know anything about this. Yeah, we I had to do it all the time. Wow. And like one time I was out of charges in the third grade. I was out of charges and they were like, you charge too much. Like we can't. You have to call somebody to bring you food. So they called my mom. How horrible. Yeah. <laughs> they called my mom and my mom called my sister in high school. Kathleen was like a sophomore in high school said, go bring your sister lunch to school. 
So Kathleen had to leave. Gwen, she went to Gwen Mercy High School. She had to leave, go home to our house, get food and bring it to me. And she like walked in the school. I'll never forget. And me and Jessica Kustoff, who was my, one of my best friends in elementary school. I don't know if you remember her. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're walking to get it and she threw it at me. <laughs> she was like, enjoy your lunch. And I was like, thanks. I love you. <laughs> I like love my sister. Um, and I open it up and it's an orange and a juice box. <laughs> Something. I, yeah. It was all we had. Yeah. It's all we had. Um, but Jessica's mom used to by accident pack her an extra sandwich. Mm. I was that kid. Yeah. I was that kid. Wow. That's tough. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. It um so I, you know, as a direct result of that, I never learned how to cook and I still don't know how to cook. And it really pisses my husband off. Um, I just I mean, and now I'm even so far gone that mm-hmm. I can't cook that I just like cook so bad. That it's like not even, I can't. Got horrible habits. Oh my God, I'm awful. I cannot, I'm like, yeah, I can't eye anything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I will grab the teaspoon instead of the tablespoon or vice versa. And I'm always like over salting. And I just, I tried to do crock pot meals. It's like, maybe I can do this. Set it and forget it. No, set it and burn it. (laughs) I like, I could not, I just can't cook. You put everything on high? That's what I imagine. You just no, put I put on high. That's, that's a problem. See, sometimes I'll put it on high, but sometimes I'll put it on low, and then it just never cooks. <laughs> what, a like, what a letdown! What a letdown! Six hours. <laughs> I know. Where's this I hot dog at? Still burn it. I still I burn everything or undercook. Yeah, I just like I gave up. I yeah. couldn't. I just was like, oh, I'm sorry. You're gonna have to do the cooking now. So wow. Yeah. Um, when did? When did I meet you? I feel like it was in middle school or uh, not meet you, but when did we have, cause we started talking about this a little bit as far as like our summer camp, we did summer camp together for Temple yes. Ambler. And how old were we with that? We had to be middle school because you know, I did it two years and the first year my grandmother died. And I, I think that was like fifth, I think that was like fourth, fifth grade. So the second year had to be like sixth grade. Yeah. A Temple Ambler campus mm-hmm. with that guy. Mark. Oh, I can't believe you remember his name. Yeah. You said, Ugh. yeah, he said you didn't like him and no, no one liked him. And he was weird. He had like weird, he had weird vibes. Yes. Uh, one of those, one of those grown ups, uh, as I wear, I don't know what color is my hat. Orange. Green, orange as I wear a goofy orange hat, but like one of those grown ups that seemed to be acting too young. He was a theater guy. Yeah. All theater people are immature. <laughs> They're yeah. about five years you know, younger emotionally than they should be. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's funny now is looking back on that, like I understand him much more having gone through a theater program. I understand Uh his motives much more for what he was trying to do. Um, At the time I didn't, but I remember that was just a, that was a strange camp. Now, what were you at that point? So I think for me, I was, I was, like modeling, uh, like just starting modeling classes and trying to act and get into that world. Were you? No. Um, so I didn't get into acting until I went to college. Hmm. Um, I tried out for Annie Mm -hmm. in middle school and that took a lot of nerve because I had no training. I had no, like, I never, but it's middle school. I know, but I didn't like sixth grade. I know, but I didn't like know what I was doing. And then they cast me as like the second police officer. Okay. And I had like one line and I was like, I don't have time for this. I can't do that. Did <laughs> you quit? 
Yeah, I never showed up. I was going to say, I don't remember you. I never showed up. But I remember going into the audition and thinking like, oh, this isn't welcoming to new students. Like this is people already know who they're who's going in and who's, um, you know, going to be what. So Mm. I'm I don't think that I even like have a chance. So that experience knocked me out of theater entirely during Wissahickon. Oh, that's wild. I never went through with any more theater i didn't do any singing nothing you know and that bit me in the ass that's so funny because like i talk about me being like what was me because i was the only guy but i was pretty much guaranteed although right mike mike clyburn talks about not getting a spot like he was the given like an extra role yeah that's um, what I was and too. that was like his you know he was like in the same boat and that was eighth grade but like i guess i don't know you know i can think of like you know there was like um lyndon mcintyre and Kristen pomerantz i remember i remember them and, both yeah. uh, but yeah, there were some upperclassmen that I guess like kind of got a lot of those roles. I feel like Nicole, Nicole Marquis was was in there. And um yeah, I know. I guess I never thought about it as yeah. as a guy of like a I bitch about it. You kind of it. always get something. I bitch about it in high school. Yeah. But I didn't think about it in middle school where yeah, I was and being a girl. I mean, walking even into like regular auditions as an adult, mm. you know you're going up against a hundred people who look just like you. So then what happened that you end up in Temple? Because you and your sister, right? Yes. So I guess, I don't know. My mom found that and and put us in it. I have no idea why. I don't remember what happened, why we went to that. If I just don't remember at all. Um, but we were there. And that didn't spark my you know interest in theater no? at all. No. It was, uh, it was very, it was just a strange experience. Now, we did the thing from, we talked, we argue about this, right? We did yeah. we do the thing from Tommy. I thought we did like we wrote our own show. I'm pretty sure it was like we had to answer questions and then we all were like reading lines that other people had written. We didn't like do like a didn't we do scenes like with to music? I remember we did. And there was a guy named James who played the keyboard and we had to say thank you to him at the end. And I remember we all forgot. And so <laughs> I think back. the music was from Tommy. Probably. And I think probably. we just improved. What the scenes were. Yeah, which looking back and knowing that was a complete failure of Mark, that that was absolutely unplanned. No, he made it up on the spot. He couldn't get it together. It was like, we're just going to, we're going to go improv. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. He could not get it together. It was never going to work. And he was just like, fuck Mm. it, we're going to have to just do So then what what were your interests in? It wasn't theater. Did you have any like things that you were... As you're like becoming, starting to become a teenager and. and um, well, I mean, I was left to my devices a lot. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have like, um, like the only sport I did up until um, high school was I was on a, a baseball team when in the first or second grade. And my dad signed me up for the boys team instead of the girls team. All right. So I was on a team with like Eric Mailhorn and Pete Stampone. Um, and it was me and my sister both were on this team. I don't know how that happens, but then Carolyn broke her arm. So I was the only girl on the team. Oh. Um, and that was the only time I think I, I think I did might have done soccer when I was in kindergarten. But did you have like so you didn't have TV, you didn't really play sports, you well, weren't the, into I didn't have TV, but that was all I did. <laughs> like oh, so I mean, I that was it. Like so that I, was your Yeah. I mean, I watched Oprah. Every day, four o'clock on that, watched Oprah every day. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I didn't, I didn't do very much. There wasn't a whole lot to do. I didn't have anybody around 
to like entertain, you know? Yeah. Um, and my sister Kathleen, like she was old enough that she had a driver's license, you know, so she was able to drive me mm. to a friend's house if I wanted to go somewhere or something. Um, she didn't like it, but um, yeah, I mean, not, they're not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. She, no, but she also like babysat other kids who were my age and she would bring me along with her and stuff like that. So um, we did do we went to the pool. We had a pool that we belonged to one summer. I forget the name of it. Um, In Ambler. I upper double so. was it upper dublin i don't remember the name i know we pool. went to a pool we maybe a couple my, it was all that, that's washington. a funny thing yeah so it's so funny right like the like the public pools and i guess i see it now with like parents taking their kids there but it was something i completely forgot because we had a pool uh once i don't know some point like we got a pool built in our backyard um sounds so bougie but <laughs> prior to that um we used to my mom and i used to go to the swim club or some pool like every weekend and like they would sell burgers and you could buy cherry coke and like the public pool was like the bomb oh there was another like there was another pool yeah there was a bunch of pools i know there was like nor gwen okay mermaid I have to ask. oh so we never went to mermaid yeah, i did mermaid for camp oh okay for no, two years but i never i never like got to hang out there yeah separately there was a couple pools and we, when we were really young, we were at, um, like before my parents got divorced, we, we did the country club one on Penland Pike. The CC, CC, CC. I know there's probably 10 people like saying, I know that's one. Uh, Cedar Brook. Okay. Is it Cedar Brook country club? Sounds right. Um, and yeah, we did that. Okay. So we were there before my parents got divorced. And then when they got divorced, we weren't there anymore All right um but yeah i mean as a kid i i i didn't do much did you draw like were you just like passing out in front of the tv were you just like zoned out like this in front of the in front of the tv like um well i mean it depends on what age we're talking about because there were different houses and different mm. things to do so like when i lived in the house on Town pike and there was no neighborhood and i think that we had an attic, a shared attic with the neighbors next to us. And the neighbors next to us <clears throat> were a little bit like eccentric. Mm. And they filled the attic with all these like theater props and all these like oh. crazy boxes of like just weird things. So Carolyn and I would be up there for hours trying on like costumes yeah. and digging through stuff and like finding like just funny things and like making each other laugh. And cause I did have Carolyn, like right. Carolyn and I were close enough in age that like we were kind of together. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, yeah, that I remember doing a lot of that, like hanging out in that attic and just ripping boxes apart and finding, you know, I mean, there was like a big pair of like rubber boobs and like Carolyn <laughs> and I would like constantly put that on. That's funny. <laughs> I eventually grew into those rubber boobs. But <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, and like that, I mean, being out there, I didn't have much to do. But then when I moved to Tennis Avenue, like there was Heather mm -hmm. and there was Melissa Shellhammer. And, um, you know, we would play me and like Jimmy Keem would play hockey across the street at the funeral parlor. Mm. Um, but but there, too, not very much going on because we didn't you know, I didn't have parents who were like active in my life mm -hmm. and like 
you know, taking me to do things. They weren't taking me places. You know, the, that, that was the thing about Ambler. And, you know, my parents didn't take me to do like, I mean, I, we did stuff. My mom's going to freak out. I, I finished that <laughs> sentence like that. Like, right. I did Cub Scouts and I did baseball and basketball and I did soccer for a year. Like I did all those things in my childhood the entire time. Um, and then once I was like 10, I was going to modeling. But like from a social standpoint, I don't like we didn't get ta- I didn't get taken to. And I've, I, I talked about this with, I think, Yuka, because Yuka, when he came to PA in high school, he was a big skateboarder or mm. uh, a BMX in uh, in Austin. And when he got to Bluebell, there's like nowhere to go. And I was like, did you ever go to Ambler where there's sidewalks instead of Bluebell? Words, Words, right? Yeah. So that's a cool thing about Ambler is that it is like there's sidewalks and pretty good sized streets and a lot of them. And it's yeah. not the traffic's not crazy. And and it's easy to just like go out, walk across the street, walk down the street. Yeah. Go a half a mile on your bike and go go to your friend's house. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was ever that wasn't hard to do. Yeah. Um, you know, that was I spent a lot of time playing with Melissa and Heather. And um, but like even there. So I got I moved to Ambler fourth grade, fifth fourth grade and fifth grade, and then like, you know, then came middle school. And that's like a whole new world. Yeah. Were you I you know, I I often when I ask that question, it's because I think, you know, people give like such a definitive view of what their elementary school was. And it's like, oh, I had these friends. It's like, okay, then when you go to middle school, did that get ruined? Because but it doesn't sound like you had like such a solid foundation. You had people in your neighborhood, but from a school standpoint, it didn't sound like you had like those kids that you were looking nope. for, of that's who I sit with, or no solid foundation until the fifth grade. Karen, Karen that's when I met Karen, and oh, I'm gonna cry. Karen's family took me in, like emotionally. Okay. Um, it's hard to talk about. Um, but Karen and I, Karen and I, um. We met in the fifth grade. We were with, we were both in Miss Johnston's class. And we were both friends with Jessica Kustoff, mm. who lived in her neighborhood. You brought the sandwich. Yes, brought my sandwiches. Um, so Jessica introduced us in the fifth grade when we had the same class, same teacher. And then Jessica moved away in the sixth grade. Mm. So it was me and Karen. And Karen and I were, she doesn't remember this, but we were in the same pod every year. Uh-huh. We were in the same classes every year. So I told her that I told her the last time we were talking about pods. You had mentioned pods on the show, and we were talking about it. And I was like, "Well, Karen, we were in the same pod every year." And she was like, "Were we?" Yes, we were. Um, A pod mm-hmm. for sixth grade, and then C pod for seventh grade, okay. and that's where we picked up Leah. That's when Leah came uh, in. Leah Wenger. Leah Wenger. Um, so, so you were hoarding all the Jewish people. I am the Jewish hoarder. <laughs> um, <laughs> Leah's mom, That's Sarah. That's a YouTube title. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely the Jewish hoarder. Um, that they constantly were like, you're an honorary Jew. You're an honorary Jew. Sarah, Leah's mom, I'll never forget. She being like, don't worry, Chrissy. We're going to find you a nice Jewish boy. You're going to be one of us. We've got you. <laughs> So like Karen and Leah's parents saw what was happening to me Mm. and both of them, all four of them actually just took me in. Karen's parents constantly like her mom's a child psychologist. So Um. she even like knew things about me that like I didn't know. Right. Recognized traits. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like great about talking to Karen about it. 
And she was very good about explaining things to Karen in a way that she would understand because Karen would then talk to me about it. Right. You're young and yeah, you need yeah. support as a friend. And yes. yeah, sure. So like I remember Karen always, she always be like, you know, say something about what would be going on in my life. And Karen would be like, well, you know, we have a guest bedroom. Just kind of That's, throw it out yeah, there like, without pushing it. My parents always that. say that it's yours if you want it, you know. Yeah. Um, I never took them up on that. Hmm. I never took um them up on living with them or anything like that. Um, because when you're a child of divorce, you are a burden. You know you're a burden. You know you're a burden on everyone. Hmm. And I didn't want to be a burden on anyone else. So I sort of at a young age kind of realized what my path was and my exit route. And I knew that I had to get to a spot that I could be on my own, that I could cut strings and I could cut ties. So to get there was very um, planned. It was very like, I knew, I knew if I had lived with my dad senior year that I wasn't going to go to college. He was gonna push me into Monco, if anything. Um, and I knew that that was going to stifle me. I knew I wasn't going to be, I would have to live with him. I knew that it wasn't, you know, you're going to be in town. Yeah. He was never going to pay for it. Mm. He was never going to help me, you know, in any way financially. So my mom, on the other hand, her goal in life was to keep me away from my dad. (laughs) So I knew I could get to college via the mom train. Um, so that's the one I hopped on. Um, but I, you know, I, I knew my senior year that like, if I did go and live with Karen, um, I wouldn't be able to go to college or I I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how I could, like, I couldn't, you know, ask her parents to help me. I couldn't, you know, ask, so you're saying you needed to stay with your mom because your mom would actually financially, in in the way that you know it's to be done, right? You would actually get the parental support at least from a financial standpoint yes. and the structure to be able to apply to college and go. Um. Yes and no. So I knew that like if I had stayed with her, I could get out. Mm-hmm. Um. And and it, I was right. Um. She you know, wanted, she wouldn't let me apply to any schools in Pennsylvania. So she was like, you can only apply to schools outside. Do you want that? um, Do you want to get away from this? I did. I wanted to get as far away as possible. Like I remember my sister Kathleen telling me um, when she left, because she went to NYU, she was like, when you go to college, run, run far away, like go. How old were you? 10. When she said that? 10. Is that why you knew that was your plan? Yes. Um, That was always the plan was to get far away. Mm-hmm. But once your sister said that when you were 10, that's how you knew. Uh-huh. It like kind of, you know, solidified that, mm. that that's what I had to do. Yeah. So Karen's family, like her, especially her mom, really, really like took care of me. Um, same with Leah's parents. I mean, I always had a place to go. Mm-hmm. So they were sort of my, you know, safety net. Um, and Karen and Leah and I were friends all the way through. We're mm-hmm. still friends to this day. Um, but I didn't tell him I was coming here. Ah, surprise. (laughs) They get to be surprised. Um, but yeah, so Karen and, and when we got into seventh grade being in Mm C-Pod, that was like a whole different world. No, you've talked about C-Pod here before. Seven C? I was seven B. Uh, 
So C. someone else was seven. Other people were seven C for sure. Of course, I can't remember so who. So CPOD was the mixed. It was two oh, that seventh was, grade classes and two eighth grade classes. That was and a smaller one, and they felt like it was the lower level kids. Yep. We, but it wasn't. Like it was me, um, me, Alicia, and Heather Kelly Brailsford. We were all in that. Rachel Kim. Uh-huh. We were all in that class. And then there was the other. So it was like two looping classes. So we were in one and then Karen and Leah, um, Julia Preston, I think was mm-hmm. in the other one. Um, a couple of other kids, I don't remember who else was it, but they were in the other C-Pod class, but we were kind of kept together and we all sort of had classes, like the same classes. We kind of, and then we had two eighth grade classes in it. So we all shared the same teachers, oh. but right. we, so we stayed with that same, like me, Heather and Alicia and Kelly and everybody, we were all in the same class every single time. Mm-hmm. Like- and I think someone said that 7th C turned into 8th C. Like, yeah, but we didn't. I mean, I wasn't in C-Pod both years. You got moved to I okay. got moved to B-Pod. Okay. I think Leah might have been in C-Pod both years. But um, I know me and Karen both moved out into B-Pod. And you were 6A? Yes. We yeah, were we didn't have any classes. Goal, no, yeah. No pods. Nothing together in middle no school. Pods. That middle school, ugh. It just like felt like a prison. Why? It felt like a prison to me. Like I remember walking in and being like, Oh my God, the walls are so sterile and like everything is I mean, like, like the white center block. Yes. That's every school. No, no. The high school did not feel that way at all. The middle school know, just I, felt like a prison to me. Like I remember being like, I don't like, it must've just had bad energy or something because I just hated it there. And I felt like the, the, um, uh, cafeteria having those like big windows mm-hmm. in it. I felt like people were just watching attached you. to the LG. I yeah. have dreams sometimes that I'm walking that I'm walk because there was it was a hallway also, right? Like the door you had to cross through the through the cafeteria yep. to get to the other side of the building. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. So yeah. like C because six C and everything in the front of the building and and was on that side and Japanese classes on that side, but then on the other side was where like the gym and and other things were. Yes. So yeah, I, I still have yes. dreams about walking like down the stairs across the cafeteria and back up to the other side of the where building. Where the pool was. Yeah. 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 But I didn't. I did not like middle school. I hated middle school. I did too. Was Eighth awful. grade was cool. Eighth grade, I got a, and that's the only class. That's the only year I had class with. Uh, with Ray, and oh. maybe that is Ray was in Mr. Brownstein's class with me in fourth grade. Was he? He was the only time he and I had classes together. Yeah. Okay, I remember he had. I think he had Mrs. Rogers for fifth. Hey, he might have Mrs. No, he Johnson. Had Johnson. Yeah, he actually, been... he did have Johnson. I was supposed to have Rogers, and I ended up getting Row, and that didn't work out very well. <laughs> did I, she hate you? I retired that <laughs> motherfucker. Listen, I put teachers out of. I put teachers on early retirement. <laughs> Or on appropriate attire, retirement. <laughs> if you're not sure if a teacher has him, has it anymore, give him Brad. Yeah. Let's, let's see. Uh, Put him on the way out. I got three detentions in fifth grade. In fifth grade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah there was such a thing? <laughs> they created it for me. Uh, I used to have to sit. You'd have to sit on this tiny little ledge. And that's when I was like starting to like gain weight and get bigger. So my ass definitely didn't sit. Oh. Didn't fit on this thing. You had to sit on this like tiny little ledge. Um in the office outside of Mr. Bundy's, you know, in, in the main office. And you just had to sit on this thing until like four o'clock. And How embarrassing. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause everyone Wait, can see you. Were you a safety? No, fuck that. 
Uh, were you a part of this? Did you see this conversation that was being had on Facebook about about safety? Someone was brought it up, and I can't remember who. And and I and I told him I said I had actually written something about safeties years ago. I'd written like a stand up bit slash essay about how I think safeties are like the most fucked up thing. Yes, because it it divides kids. It mm-hmm. teaches kids to snitch. Yep, and not mind their own fucking business. And well, it creates an elitism. Yes, it does. Definitely creates Fuck elitism. safety. And I am, sh- oh, I was not a safety. And I was devastated that I right? wasn't one. I went home and cried to REM, nobody hurts. <laughs> Everybody hurts. <laughs> wow. You did a Dylan and Kelly. <laughs> Whoa. I was so upset. I feel that in my soul, Chrissy. You know me and where I, you know me and what I love. Like, I feel that shit. <laughs> But at the same time, like I was so upset because I was like, am I a bad kid? I didn't. I thought that was confirmation. That was absolute confirmation that like, oh, all the teachers know. Because especially in Shady Grove. The teachers are the ones who pick them. Right. Especially in Shady Grove. I haven't been in the school. Mm -hmm. I just came to the school. I'm not a safety. I thought you just pick everybody. Yeah. Oh, I'm deaf. And then the worst were like other kids that you had problems with that Mm -hmm. that you would think are like, well, he's badder than I am. I just I just get caught responding. Oh no, that kid's a safety. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There was definitely kids it where was I was Daniel like, Daniel Cataldi, <laughs> that was talking about safety. Was talking about safety. I think so. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I was so upset that I didn't get picked to be a safety, and I remember specifically thinking, like, I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad kid. That's that, the only reason why, or they don't know me, or you know. That scenario, like, forever plays in my in my mind. Not about being a safety, but that feeling of. Thinking that, well, everyone kind of knows me and like with work, especially, right? You're, 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 you want a promotion or a raise. And I went through this a, a few years ago with, with the company I ended up leaving where you kind of like put yourself out there and you know, it's time to be assessed mm. and you want, you want them to think you're great. You're awesome. And we're going to show you with, you know, money and titles. And then the time comes and they're just like, don't think you're it's not about the work necessarily because I used to think, oh, if I'm just like get good grades, maybe it wasn't about the work. It's like when you're arguing with people or, you yeah. know, or people you rub people the wrong way as a grown up. I'm like, fuck you. Like we're grown and people can't handle that shit too bad. But as yeah. a kid, I get it. You, you have behavioral issues, which I definitely had behavioral shit. But like yeah. I have that feeling to this day of like that disappointment of thinking you're going to get that recognition. Uh-huh. And it's like and then you find out, oh. Oh, they got it and they got it and they got it. They, oh, they really just don't think I'm that hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. That's the safety feeling. Well, for yeah, yeah. And for me, like, I felt like I, like, that was one of the beginning moments of being like, oh, like, I am a kid with divorced parents. I have a single mom. I can't, you know, I'm automatically felt bad. Lab- you felt labeled. I as, was labeled yeah. very early. And I was actually labeled by, a little girl in not a little girl, but tween in um, middle school, this friend that Karen and I had, and she was really, she was terrible. I'm not even going to say her name. It was evil. Um, oh, wow. Rebecca Elwork. Really? No, <laughs> no, this girl actually uh, left our school, but kidding. she but Karen and I were friends so with did Rebecca. Her. That's why I threw it out there. No, no, this girl, I don't even, I don't even know if anybody would remember her, but she was friends with me and Karen. Um, and she was really manipulative and really toxic. Mm. And she would pit us all against each other all the time. And at one point, her mom 
went to Karen's mom and was like, you shouldn't let Karen hang out with Chrissy anymore. She's a bad influence. You know, my daughter tells me all these horrible things about Chrissy and she's just, she's a bad kid. You shouldn't let her hang out with her. snitching shit. And Karen's mom put her in her place. Good. Good. She sure as hell did. Wow. That could have like fucked you up. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. This girl had Karen not invite me to her bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. So I didn't go to Karen's bat mitzvah and I'm still mad at you, Karen. Wow. <laughs> See, this is we're always you know, with, with Leslie and others. Like we talked about this, like who went to what? Because I didn't get to go to anything in middle schools when it first happened. And Ben Wenger was really the only kid that like I talked to yeah. that was Jewish that I, you know, thought like, oh, maybe I'll get invited and never got invited to, to his bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And then never That's heartbreaking when you're not invited to like your friend. And I didn't party. have and we weren't friends, though. You know, that's and that's where like I became like painfully aware. Like you talk about like having kind of like that stigma. I was not like like I had my friends. I had Ray and, and Mike Mayall and, um, you know, Alex Mater and Brandon Marcraft and like those kids that like from Ambler that went to Madison. Our parents were all friends. We did Cub Scouts together. We all played baseball. And we could go to people's houses and they would come over for barbecues. And like those were that was how I got friends. Friends in school were not like a thing. In my head, Ray would almost be like like this guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I looked at Ray as like such a cool kid, like a cool kid and someone that was that, that was liked. And like I felt like I didn't have that relationship with people in school and no one knew that that version of me that could crack his friends up or whatever. Like I was loud. I was. I was in your face. I didn't mind yep. my own business. I yep. was obnoxious. Yeah, I was attention starved. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was a theater I was a fucking person. theater. Yeah, I was an entertainer. You <laughs> yeah. know, that was that was me. I was always looking for a reaction. Yeah. And that was really hard for grownups to stop. And I had a much more adult sense of humor than a lot of kids that I went to school with, you know, cursing and and sexuality and and all those things. And um it it made for real awkward situations when when, you know. You have other kids that are your age that are not at that level. And so you can't have kid telling these jokes like <laughs> yeah. in the class, you know, yeah. like and that was always exactly how I was. I kind of like felt of like, oh, like uh, you're not really middle school or elementary school brand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for a kid to process and realize that they're just like labeled as something yeah it really like it, it took it, it might have taken to like now like to start oh, realizing yeah. like those you know where people start like oh no like uh, yeah. like, like that it, was really what when i talk about going into middle school and then high school and wishing that i didn't that i didn't know everyone for the last like five six seven eight years through school and like that's who you are that that was the stigma i came in with was that in shady grove in middle school of being like this you know feeling like that problem trial like you're talking about oh yeah i definitely felt like I was not welcome in a lot of places. Um, And a lot of that, you know, just it kind of, it's hard to say, but it like sort of builds this insecurity in you that like, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my God, um, I'm not good enough. And I felt all through high school that I was um, like almost pigeonholed into being like, the like a kid who's just not at the level, you know, like, um, mm. like I was in a lot of, um, like the CP classes, whereas a lot of my friends were in, you know, the advanced classes and stuff. Um, and 
in high school and in college as well, I snuck into AP classes. I got into them randomly twice. Oh, okay. And I excelled in those classes See? every single time. I got Mrs. Ingram in high school um, for poli sci. Mm -hmm. And she was absolutely one of my favorite teachers. She loved me and she didn't pigeonhole me and she didn't treat me like, you know, I wasn't smart enough. Yeah. And I felt in those CP classes that they were going to push me down a certain direction of like, you're not good enough for, well, to back up a little bit in middle school, I also got a taste of not being smart enough when they had like a, they had like a meeting with my mom and me because I wasn't doing well mm. in school. And specific um, subject or just all, all of them. Like I was not doing well and they should have pieced it together then that I didn't have a very good home, home life, life, but nobody did, yeah. you know? Um, and they, I wanted to take Latin. I told my guidance counselor, whoever it was, cause I was having a really tough time with languages and I like, and I still do, I still have a horrible time with languages. Yeah. Um, and I told her because, well, I was really good at sign language and I wanted to use that as my language and they wouldn't, let me, both in middle school and high school, they wouldn't mm. let me do it. Even though I was interpreting for Matt Jones oh, yeah. in the fifth grade and like frequently. And then I interpreted later on all through in high school and stuff. Mm. Um, and they wouldn't let me use that as my language. Oh. So I wanted to do Latin. My guidance counselor looked at me and was like, you're not smart enough for Latin. So they stuck me in German. Aww. Yeah. And I failed German so many times. Really? Yeah. In so high school or? Middle or and middle high school. school. Yeah. Um, my high school German class was funny though. That was like me, Chrissy Krause, um, Doug sounds, was in our class. Good already. <laughs> it was a really fun class. Yeah, the Chrissy. And the teacher, Frau something, I don't remember her last name, but she had the tiniest little finger. In high school? Like, yeah. Oh. She I remember middle me. school was was hair bray. Yes, I remember hair hair gray. We used to call him hair gray. Hair gray. Um, I I remember him. I liked yeah. him. Um, but I forget what the teacher was in high school. I, she hated me, mm. really hated me. So um, I just got done what I needed to for languages and I never went past that. And then I had the same problem in college. I was like, hey, I know sign language. Can can we make a, a credit for a me? Yeah. And, can I do this? Like, you know, we're in South Carolina and you have no resources for sign language anywhere. Like, hey, let's do this. And they were like, nah. Mm. So I did both German and Japanese. And I had the hardest time in both of them. And my Japanese teacher actually almost failed me. He hated, again, hated me. Like there were just teachers who just hated mm. me. And this one tried to get me not to graduate. It's yeah. not cool. And well, I, it turned out okay because it was a small class mm. and he was trying really hard and he would pick on me in class. And finally, this one day, one of the girls just like stood up and was like, you are being unnecessarily unfair to her. Yeah. And we all know it. And he stopped and I passed. Wow. Yeah. It's so weird with teachers, you know, especially like with the stuff that we hear nowadays with with like some of the teachers that we went to high school with. And like you just think about, you know, how the the opinion that I had was like, I must be wrong. Yeah. Teachers yeah, it must be me. can't be me. fallible. Yeah. And that was such a hard thing to just like have that frustration, like that shaking frustration of you don't understand. Yeah. You don't understand how they talk to me. How yeah. they, you know what I mean? Like it was just such a a mind fuck. Yes, totally. Because this <laughs> is your this is your your you know authority. 
authoritative person. Yeah. Like, this is someone who you're supposed to respect and they're supposed to kind of, you can, they can answer your questions, but when they, when they really dislike you and I saw it not only for me, cause I knew it existed for me, but I saw it in social lab in 12th grade. Oh, you did social lab too. Yeah. I was in with a first grade George teacher. George was talking about that. George Brecka? Yeah, I think he, I think he was in the other class. I was okay. in one with like Kate Malt and Justin Hammond. Um, he might have been my class, but, but we didn't like we only had half the day together. Okay. So because you went and did like a, a job. Mm-hmm. And the first either the first or the second half of the day. Yeah. So mine was the first half of the day. I was at Stony Creek Elementary School. Me and Kate Malt were, and we had the best teacher? time. Yeah, That's I was cool. in with a first grade teacher, and she was in with a kindergarten teacher. Um, and Heather Goodwin was in the other class and she would come in in the afternoon. She replaced Kate. She and Kate had the same teacher. But I had this teacher, Miss Ciarelli. I'll never forget her. Um, <laughs> I like, I walked in my first Syllables. day. Syllables. What? Syllables. Yeah. <laughs> um, I walked in the first day and she was like, I know you. I know you. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know how you know me. And she was like, well, tell me about yourself. And I like, told her and she was like, Oh, you work at the drafting room in Springhouse. Oh, no. I work there with Leslie. Oh. And she was like, I'm there all the time. That's how I know you. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, she was so awful to me and to the students that I wanted to quit. Oh. And um, one of the students in the class, Karen babysat for him. And the mom went to Karen and was like, please tell your friend she can't quit. Like, we need her to stay. Because this class was a looping class. So they were the same in kindergarten. They had Miss Ciarelli in kindergarten. And they had her again in first grade. Oh, and their their, te- their student teacher of the year before was Val Fuller. And she quit for the same reasons because mm-hmm. this teacher was a bitch. And this mom was like to Karen, please tell her. Like, we, please, mm. we can't. Our kids cannot go through that again. They were heartbroken when she didn't come back. Like, they were, they really reacted poorly to it. And so I... <laughs> did it i went to mr fiorentino yeah and i told him i was like she's awful like i go in every day and she's just like she's short with me she's snippy with me she like makes me do all the other teachers um photocopying i'm in that photocopier room all day like this is just not working out for me but like i can't leave because these students like i don't want to hurt these children yeah I, don't, I guilt trip i already love them you know like i remember their names i remember their faces how yeah. much that um but i asked i was like listen i'm not gonna be a teacher i'm done this is not for me i'm not gonna be a teacher i've already had a horrible experience can i be put in the sign language class once a week oh so they worked it out with dr shire amazing she was wonderful um, and I went there every Wednesday. Instead, I would go to the the classroom with Matt Jones yeah. and Jocelyn and Maria and Eddie Buck, and I would work with them. And That's that cool. was amazing. I loved doing that. That's so cool. even though I had to be in with that teacher for four days a week, at least I had one day of <laughs> non toxicity. <laughs> did you do sports in uh, in middle school? Um, in did we have like teams in middle school? Yeah, they had teams. Okay. Yeah. I think I was on field hockey. Okay. I think I did. You know how Alicia talked about getting cut? Mm-hmm. I think I made it or actually, but I probably did. It's just lied and stayed. That's totally something I would have done. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I was totally number five. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, I was because I do remember a couple of different games. Um, I was a wing. I remember okay. being a wing. Um, but we didn't, and yeah, we had lacrosse. I played lacrosse in middle school. I don't know how I don't remember that. I played lacrosse in middle school. 
Um, I was a goalie. Ah, okay. I was the goalie from seventh grade to senior year. Wow. I was a goalie. And yeah, um, that's a hard position. Yeah. Very hard. (laughs) Very, very hard. But I had Ann Patterson. And that is where it was good. What does that mean? Um, Ann and I were a great team. Ann is it phenomenal. Was she like, was she like, uh, what's that called? She was the fullback. I don't know even remember. In soccer, I feel like that was my position too. Because was that like fullback or halfback? I don't know. It it was whatever the first line of defense was. On the crew, like at at the top of the Yeah, she was right in front of me. So it would be me in the goal. Ann would be right in front of me. Okay. Um, And by senior year. Ann and I just had it down. That's like cool. it was um, when she wasn't playing, I had much harder time. Um, but Ann and I really uh, we bonded with that in high school. Um, was the was the cross like a was that then like a thing that gave you identity? It gave me something. Yeah, it gave me something and somewhere to be. Um. So yeah, in middle school, not I don't remember so much of middle school. Uh, I remember our our lacrosse field being like down in like that swamp area, like yeah. past the, like in the middle of the woods, in the meadows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember Miss Buckley was our our coach, and the other woman I forget her name, but she was really nice. Um, yeah, I don't remember too too much about lacrosse in middle school, but I remember a lot of lacrosse in high school. Mm. That was really. Um, super character defining for me, uh, because so we came in, in freshman year, um, we had a freshman lacrosse team and then we had, right. Then G JV and varsity. Yeah, JV and varsity. And I think Lizzie touched on this, the JV, the first year when the five girls got kicked off for being at the right. party. So that was a big deal. And that's kind of the year I like to refer to as our mighty ducks year, because <laughs> it was our Disney movie. Ooh. We lost five starters mm-hmm. we lost lizzie fucking black like we, what were we gonna do and alexis know? um alexis lizzie beth sarah gabriel katie eveland and mm. you know how lizzie said um she was telling her story and she said um that she stopped at a pizza place mm. it was just she glossed over it real quick um i ran into her at the pizza place oh wow so i was headed home i was with my dad at that point and my dad didn't set a lot of um, my mom set like no rules, um, but my dad would once in a while throw a rule at me and be like, you have to do this or this isn't happening or something. So this particular night, he set a rule. You have to be home at 1030 or 11 o'clock. Whatever. I think it was 11 o'clock. He said, you have practice in the morning. Be in this house by 11 a.m. Oh, wow. So I had just dropped Karen off, headed up. 76 or whatever that is that road is and i don't know why i stopped off at candida's pizza but i I don't know why maybe i saw them or or i don't remember Mm -hmm. why i was even there um but i saw them on the car and it was adam schumer's party adam schumer was a year ahead of us and he Uh, was having a huge party and i tan yep yeah (laughs) and i i knew we all knew he was having a party but i mean i had no interest in going to it um but I saw them there and they were, you know, they were eating pizza in the car and they're like, oh, we're heading back over or whatever. We're going to go to that, go to Adams. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I got to be home. So have fun, you know? Mm. And then the next day I got to practice and they're like, it got busted. You're starting. Yeah. But, well, there's <laughs> another story about me starting, but yeah, they, I remember getting there and being like, everybody got busted. And wow. I was like, oh my God. I went home to my dad and I was like, 
hey, thanks. Mm. Like I didn't, there was a party. I didn't go to it. And like everybody got arrested and everybody got kicked off the teams. Wow. And like, um, but Lizzie's mom, I was leaving school one day and Lizzie's mom came up to me after school and was like, hey, you did you see Lizzie that night? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, can you sign like an affidavit that says that you saw her at that time so that we can, you know, try to help out with, um, mm -hmm. I guess, whatever they're trying to, you know, either get her off or get less trouble or something. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. Lizzie did not deserve to get kicked off the team. Yeah. So I went to the notary with Mrs. Black and wow. I signed that paper. <laughs> I was like, yep, I will absolutely 100% vouch for Lizzie because she didn't deserve that. None of those girls deserve that. 10th grade had come in. And I'm the 10th, like the JV goalie in 10th grade. There was no 11th grade goalie. And then there was a 12th grade goalie. Um, so you got to be on the bench on varsity. No, I played varsity. Oh. So what happened was we were still kind of in the beginning. It was McCracken's first year. Um, she was the varsity coach mm -hmm. and Satinsky was the JV coach. Oh, yeah. And Spanish I automatically. Teacher? What? Spanish teacher? Yes. English yes. teacher and Spanish teacher. She was so cute. She'd just like bounce around the field. She was freaking adorable. Um, but so I was automatically JV and, um, the other girl was, was a uh, senior. So she was automatically varsity and I will never forget. We were scrimmaging. It was right before our first like official scrimmage with a team that was much harder, like downing town or something. Mm. Like, there was certain teams that were really, really, really hard for us. And, um, I'm in the goal and we're, we're, you know, practicing, but they're at the other end of the field. And McCracken just comes up and she's got like her lacrosse stick back behind her shoulders. That's how we carry our lacrosse sticks. Mm -hmm. And um, she was like, all right, Chrissy, you're fast. You're faster than Val. You're better than Val. I need you to do varsity tomorrow. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> like I'm in 10th grade. And I'm like, I had no, I didn't, I didn't have varsity on my radar at all. Mm. Like not even a little bit. And I was just like, oh, okay. And there was a few people on the team who already knew that this was gonna happen. Uh -huh. um, I didn't know, like, I think Anne might've known because I feel like she was the first person to be like, mm -hmm, varsity tomorrow? Because mm -hmm. Anne was on varsity already. Okay. So um, they put me in and I got scored on a lot. <laughs> I was not ready for it, but I did save a lot. And that's the whole thing about being a goalie is like, yeah, 10 goals got past me, but I blocked 23. And that's kind of what I always had Give to remember. Give up 10 goals? Okay. Fuck you. Uh, it is that's so why, hard on you mentally. That's why doing this face-to-face -face is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. The jokes come off much better. Um, yeah. We would have we would have uh we would have talked over each other in that moment. My my audio would have gotten through to your computer. What was that? Wait, what was that? Nothing. Joke? Never no, mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm a Done. dick. But yeah, so um because it was the other girl's senior year. Uh, it was more of they sort of made it like you're both going to be just back and forth. Mm. But I ended up on a lot more varsity games, I ended up starting a lot more on varsity. That's cool. Um, yeah, it was actually it was amazing for me. Like, I did not think, I, you know, obviously, I, I mean, even even up to my senior year, I was like, I am the fucking worst. <laughs> like, I I am so bad at this. Um, but it it really was it kind of gave me a little bit of purpose. A little bit, something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I signed up for a camp one summer to try and like really get my, you know, skills a little bit better. And that really helped a lot too. Um, we still won a few games. Yeah. <laughs> Not, all of, Not them. all of them. We won a few. 
Um, but it was a very like, it was a, that was a really turning point year, I think, for us as a lacrosse team because we did lose these five girls who were our friends and our teammates. And we sort of had to like build around and pick things up. And it was really, really cool to see that happen. You know, we were going up against other teams that had their, you know, older starters and everything. And we were kind of coming in. McCracken was new. It was her first year. So it was like extremely team building for us. So when you say the Mighty Ducks, you don't mean in the sense that you guys actually won oh, no. the championship. No. You just mean that you guys didn't crack under the pressure and you came together as a team. We came together as a team. Right. We bonded. And and for you who was looking for I needed something, it. like it, it, it meant so much to you for to actually be able to come together with this group. Yes. And at the same time, like, I mean, my friends in general, my all besides Karen and Leah, Adrian, Alicia, Natalie, like all my friends in high school, like they all gave like those kids gave me the stability that I was not getting at home. Mm. Like those all the even the boys like Eric, Eric, Brad, Dan, you know, all, all Pete, all of the boys, Chris Gebert, like they all gave me that stability that I wasn't getting at home. Like I had a place to be with them. So I've, I've obviously I've like talked to different people, you know, I've, I've had like, um, zooms and stuff during quarantine and hung out with, you know, kids that you consider in the popular crowd. And, um, there have been times when you've been brought up and kind of the impression, not in like a, uh, talking about you behind your back way, but just like in like, we love Chrissy, but more so in like, I got the impression that you weren't originally in that yes. group. <laughs> And that and that you were kind of like welcomed into the cool kid crowd. Yeah. Um, and the impression and I didn't know why, but the impression that I was given was just that you were thankful. Oh, is that is that the right? Yeah, you know? yeah that's so funny. Well, <laughs> I was definitely not cool in in middle school, like at all. Um, and uh, middle school was really hard for me. I mean, that I've really felt very lonely in middle school. I mean, I didn't have any stability at home. I had no stability at school. I was just like trying to survive, you know? And I remember getting like out of eighth grade and getting going into getting ready to go to the high school. And I was just like, okay, I've got four years. I'm just going to do my thing. Like, I'm just going to do my thing. And it, it definitely for me was kind of like, you know, um, the TV movie of I wasn't popular. And then all of a sudden in ninth grade, they were like, you're cool. Come hang out. Mm -hmm. Like, why aren't you hanging out? Why haven't you been hanging out with us? Mm -hmm. Come hang out. Um, so I really got, I, I really became part of that crowd. Uh, ninth grade, middle of ninth grade or so around there. Prior to that happening, was that was that coinciding with with well, no, because the the lacrosse stuff was tenth grade. So this is prior to that. You're already in that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. So I that didn't even like really cross wasn't yeah over at all, um, because like you know my friends like Adrian and Ra well Rachel was on the, the lacrosse team, but, like Adrian and Alicia, Heather, they weren't on lacrosse, um, but like me and Natalie and Rachel and Karen, we were all on lacrosse together. Did you feel so you were friends already, though, with with Karen and with Leah, yeah. who um, I would put in like that that cool kid crowd 
Um, no offense, I wouldn't put him in the in the top in the top tier. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. No offense. It's a big crowd. We've established <laughs> it's a, a very big, big, it's a big crowd. Group, yeah, lots right? of overlapping. Yeah, circles. yeah, lots of different groups. So she's not. You know, those two girls weren't like um, weren't like the girls that you heard stories about or that you you know you, you heard about at the parties or whatever. Like, did the, you think I was in a different? I so when I really really like remember like kind of being aware of you was probably like um, I want to say eleventh grade. Um, you used to pop into my math class and we had like uh lauren hilton in there and tom scuderi and like a few other people and you used to pop your head in from time and everyone like knew you and so that is my memory of you (laughs) of like oh well they all know you like you're in that group and that's why i think you're in that group okay you know because it just seemed like everyone just like oh yeah or like christy you know what i mean like i i i knew you from and this is the funny thing about this stuff right like i knew you from camp yeah so i think and I don't have like memories of like being like slight or anything, but like in my head, I would think like, oh, well, we know each other from camp. We should like like be friends. But like we weren't friends. We had that. nothing together. Nothing. Nothing. And so like I didn't really I didn't never really knew you past camp. Just, oh, that was the girl that I was in camp with the same way that like, oh, I modeled with Nicole Burrell. But like once that was done and we didn't really talk in high school mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so that was kind of like how I perceived you from afar. But because everyone kind of knew you and like you'd pop your head in and it was like, oh, yeah, like that's how I, I just kind of glued you to the crew anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, we were. That's. Um, I think Doug was in that class. I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, that definitely sounds like me of just, you know, busting in where I don't belong. Yeah, I would hear, <laughs> like, you'd hear like stuff about parties and like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, yeah, ask, like I mean, oh, parties from the other time. Threw and like, oh. parties. I, well, not only did I throw parties, um, I definitely had parties at my house because my mom was never around so um but i was the worst party thrower because i had a lot to lose if i got caught i had a lot to lose you're gonna go back to your other parent yeah exactly like i it wasn't till my senior year that i finally like let up Mm. um and was like all right fine whatever uh but i did i had parties at both houses but the big kicker was i had my sister's id from she went to nyu and her college id had her birth date on it Mm. so i had so i got beer I was the one who would go get beer. And like <laughs> one time I had to like, oh my God, we were having a party at Natalie's house. So Natalie had a lot of awesome parties. Um, I would say I partied the most at her house than anywhere else. Oh, yeah. um, she's had the side room that was soundproof and there was like a pool table in there and, you know, TV. And then there was like a deck outside where we could smoke. So it was just like the perfect hangout spot. Yeah. It was so much fun. Um, and we were having a party at Natalie's house and I went to the beer store and everybody, you know, threw their money in, had their list for me. And I like open up the list and I was like, there's like 10 things on it. It's like, I had to get the dolly at the store and keep in mind, I am 16. Right. I have braces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you get busted here. I don't look 21. Yeah. <laughs> But they sold that beer store sold to me every single time. It wow. was the distributor behind Pike Restaurant. Yeah, or lower, that, yeah, mm-hmm. like Lower Gwinnett Beverage. Or every, they sold to me every time, and I would supply beer constantly. Wow. Um, Evan would too. I remember Evan, Evan barely dirty. got carded, <laughs> yeah. um, and he too had braces. And I was like, "Us too, motherfuckers are the ones that can get the beer." <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I would have parties at. Um, 
my, my dad's house when he was home, like we would, you know, he would let us hang out in his basement. Um, because that's where my room was. Mm. Like he, there was a room down there that was built. Um, and we would just hang out down there. But the one party I remember, the last party I remember senior year, new year's Eve, I'm working at, um, the drafting room. Me and Leslie got me the job at the drafting room and remind me to talk about that too. Um, but I'm there and it's New Year's Eve and I'm working and Natalie calls me at work because my friends used to call me all the time there. She Chrissy, there's nothing to do. No, it's New Year's Eve. We got nothing to do. What are we doing? And she knew my mom was out of town. Mm. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I did not want to have a party. And Natalie did <laughs> the most like parent thing. She gave me the silent treatment. She was like, Chrissy. And I was like, oh, all right, fine. Just come to my mom's house. We'll have a party there. And she was like, thank you. Because <laughs> like, that's she knew. She was calling me to be like, we are having a party. At your so house when you tonight. say party and this is New Year's Eve. This was New Year's Eve our, of our senior year. So yeah. like having other people, like didn't other people not have a not have things to do already? I don't I don't remember what it what, why we eventually just ended up at my house. Um, but I remember that was the first party that I actually like calmed down a bit. Like most of the parties that we had, I was really like uptight about. I was really nervous about because they were in my house and mm. it was like, you know, but that party, I just threw caution to the wind. I was like, fuck it. I don't care anymore. I'm yeah. done caring. My mom's been gone for a month. I haven't seen her. I don't care. <laughs> like just come to my house. It's fine. <laughs> did you, um? did you have, classes that you were like excelled in you talked about like being cp and all that but like were you did you feel like you were good at any subjects no not at all really no no um i was in like cp um you know social studies and history i had happy and mm-hmm. the teacher that wore the american flag all the time I forget her name but i loved her chaplain Sha- yeah, yeah yeah looked like helen hunt yeah i loved her i mm-hmm. really liked that class same um, and I loved Mrs. Patterson's class. I loved mm. both Patterson teachers. Um, Mr. Patterson in middle school, I had mm. him from math and Mrs. Patterson in high school. And even, even to this day now, I'll message Anne on Facebook and I'm like, can you please tell your dad that I had to use my math skills mm. <laughs> to figure out this, you know, person's container garden. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now see, that's where like the math actually comes into play. I have, ugh, I was the worst math student. I took algebra three times wow. in high school and another three times in college. Like I took. How do you keep taking like summer because school? Because I fail it. So you time. failed classes. I failed classes. I, I was not. I never student. had a class that I had to retake for failing. I, the only class I ever failed was Japanese. And you just take a different foreign language at that point. At that, yeah. Get you the can fuck just out. Move out. Um, no, I failed algebra and I had to retake it. And I'll never forget Mr. Sabia. I had Mike Sabia. Um, He was like (laughs) giving his students, my second year of it, giving his students a hard time about, you know, get your shit together. And he was like, ask Chrissy. This is her second year in this class. Mm. And I was like, yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Fuck you. Um, But I actually liked him. And I loved Mr. Gallagher, Mm -hmm. even though he and I had a very difficult relationship in class. I do think that he was on my side. I think he kind of understood like what, what I was going relation? through. Yeah. Oh, you mean just like, what do you mean difficult relationship? Well, we were like hard on each other. Okay. Like he, um, like I remember I fell asleep in class and he smacked the ruler on my desk. Um, and like, he was definitely, you know, he was a little bit hard. He was hard on me. 
But I think in the end, he was actually being generous to me. Like, I think he was kind of just, you know, like trying to keep engaged. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he I actually really liked him a lot. Loved uh, Mr. Ferentino, Mr. Cairns. Um, There was, you know, obviously I love Mrs. Patterson. She just was the best. Everyone said I never had her. You which missed is, out. I know, which is like weird because right, Anne was like my first crush ever. And like so like Madison Avenue, like first grade. Yeah. Um, but I never knew I never like had classes or knew her parents like that, just you know, growing up as you oh, know, being six and seven years old. She's the best. Mrs. Patterson was awesome. She was very Everyone, um I, she's probably the number one teacher that that most of the guests have said have been like in their in their group of favorite teachers. Mrs. McLaughlin's probably number two. I didn't have her. I never had Mrs. McLaughlin. Um, but yeah, I loved I loved her. I hated that personal law teacher we had. That we have there was a class like personal law that we had senior year, and he was awful. He hated me. Um, I liked Mr. Brody. I had Mr. Yeah. Brody. I had so so. <laughs> I failed math so many times. Yeah. They put me in MCP math. Oh. So I went into MCP, MCP math my, my junior year. Okay. And I will never forget like opening up my schedule and being like, where the hell is this classroom? Right. And I get down, like I finally, I figure out where to go. And I'm like, this is the basement. Where Brody's class was? <laughs> where the MCP math was. And I walked in and it was like <laughs> the most like, hodgepodge mix of kids I have ever seen. And I like walked in and they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I can't do math either. <laughs> like, I'm with you guys on this. One kid's 20 from the yeah, exactly. from the One Ambler kid. Dominoes. And <laughs> exactly. I was like, I thought you were a janitor. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but see, math for you though, um, not too good, but no subjects at all. No, well, okay. So if you go back and think about how I grew up, um, my parents got divorced when I was really young. Nobody was around. I never learned how to study. I never sat down at a table and did work. Um, I didn't have, I didn't have like the resources to do that. So my, you know, ethic of homework, I didn't, I, I didn't have one. Mm. So I was always the kid who was like rushing to get things done um, in the hall on the way to class, oh. you know, I, um, I just didn't have that in me. And I had, it was really bad, um, with getting into college because I didn't get into like two schools that, that I first applied to. Um, like you asked earlier about, um, if like, but when I was saying my mom wanted me to go away from, mm -hmm. well, I did apply to Westchester for education and Widener for education, both mm -hmm. of them. And both rejected me. And education is hard in both of those schools to get into. Um, and I'll never forget, I got really, I was really scared um, because I had only ever saw myself going to college. Um, Why? I, that was my out. That was my way out. And I had to get there. That's so, so funny. Not to cut you off. I'm no, going to cut you off. But that's so funny <laughs> because you didn't, it seems like you had such a um complex about your classes or maybe your intelligence or just maybe a confidence thing but at the same time that was the plan yeah but you didn't know why you were you didn't know how you were going to do that nope 
right? Because that's usually like, like, what did you want to go to school for? But you, I, I mean, like, was it lacrosse? No. So I did get um, one school was looking at me to play for them, Lock Haven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went out there by myself because my parents aren't involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and did a tour by myself. She drove out there alone. Yeah. I drove out there alone, met with the coach alone. Then she had some of the um, the girls walk me around the campus. And that I had actually found out the day before that I'd gotten into Coastal Carolina University, which is a great story. I want to get to that one. Okay. But I'm walking around with these these lacrosse players and they're like, we need a goalie. We need a goalie so bad, you know, because like they, you know, teams want a goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one girl was like, have you gotten it anywhere else? And I was like, actually, yeah, I got into Coastal Carolina yesterday. It's in Myrtle Beach. And she was like, go there. Wow. Yeah, I, I already kind of know that. Um, but what had happened was I'd gotten I'd gotten rejected from those two schools and I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. And Rachel Moydell said one of the most poignant things to me that has stuck with me to this day. We were on the lacrosse field and I was telling her and Karen that I was like freaking out. And Rachel was like, Chrissy, you will get into a school that you can handle. Mm. So that kind of like, if not for her saying that, yeah, that gave me the boost to be like, there is a spot for me. There is somewhere for me. It may not be these schools that I'm used to seeing, but there's a spot for me. So after that, I went to Leah and was like, what do I do? Because yeah. Leah is, I mean, she is just has always been that friend who will just be like, here's what you do. Take this advice and go with it. Mm-hmm. So Leah, and it's so funny that she does this now because this is what her job is. Now. She's a guidance counselor. Uh-huh. But at that time, um, I was like, what do I do? And Leah was like, you go down to the guidance office, go down to the counselor's office, go to those bin, the um, filing cabinets, pull them all out. Look at every single school, pull every brochure that you want, read all of them. So old. Pick a school. I know, right? So archaic. Pick a school and apply to it. So the next day, I did that. I went down to the guidance counselor. Wow, she office, gave the step by step on how me exactly to, what like, to do. Yeah. And I pulled it open, and right the first one I pulled out, Coastal Carolina University. And I looked at it, and I was like, "School on the beach, I'm in. That's what I want." So I took it and I applied, and I got in under undecided. So I realized at that point, I was like, I cannot apply to education anymore. I don't have the grades for it. Mm. I have to apply for undecided. But you also didn't want to do education. Like you knew from, well, well, you didn't know yet because that was later in senior year. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't transfer over until I like realized I was not not interested in that. And I'm so glad that I did Um, because I I decided to go on undecided. But even then I was like, I'm going into theater. Like I want to do theater. I was like, I... This is my chance to start over. So you're talking about starting over from when you thought about sixth grade and how poorly that went. You held on to that? Pretty much. That's fucking crazy, Chrissy. Mm-hmm. I don't mean – I hate to say crazy. I just mean that in like an excited way. Like, Yeah. That's just wild. Did you never think about trying? So first of all, is lacrosse a spring or a, lacrosse or a, is spring? And it ran into the right. Um, Reckner was fucking yep. vicious with spring with spring sports. If you were a and uh, Steph Schneck always did it. Right. But at the same time, it's like me being a kid with coming from a broken family doesn't have the same kind of support that someone like Steph Schneck does. I always thought like, well, she can. You know, she's got that advantage. She can sing and she has the ability to be able to do those things. But for someone like me. 
they wouldn't make that kind of exception for someone wow. like me. So I always felt that way. Like I can't, I wouldn't be able to do both of those things. Um, but I also, I couldn't sing. So that was a huge crush for me, crutch for me because I couldn't go into an audition and sing in front of people I knew. Yeah. So that's why going to college, I was like, these people don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. I can go in there and yeah. Yeah. And they don't, they don't know the difference. Um, and what's crazy is I went into college, went under theater and I killed it in college. I absolutely, I, the whole first year I did stage crew. You can ask your question. Well, no, I was gonna, I was gonna ask: Were you um, were you more confident? So, so I only because I'm tying this to like you know how how you've progressed, how you've told me how your life had kind of progressed socially. So I'm looking at like you know someone who maybe had like just few friends as a, as a younger kid and in a tumultuous home life. Um, and then as you like start to as you start to get more friends and and people who kind of know a little bit more like kind of like, hey, come with us. You don't have to live in this. And I'm assuming that starts building you up and then you start kind of get brought into into sports and you're varsity at, at a young age where now you are kind of like the top of the echelon as far as like that sport on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, where was your confidence prior to going to college? versus when you got to college and actually did those, did uh, drama, I, where was it like 11th, I 12th I credit grade? all my confidence with running away and starting over in college to my friends from high school. They, Leslie, Adrian, Alicia, Rena, Natalie, they all just gave me the stability that I needed and the confidence that I needed to know that the situation I was in was shitty and I deserved better than that. And they kind of gave me a place to feel at home, to feel a home, you know? Mm. Um, Cause I didn't feel like I had a home. I was t- constantly between two houses. I didn't ever feel like I belonged anywhere, like anybody wanted me anywhere. And here was this core group of friends um, that took me in and gave me that. And I did, I had a great social life in, in high school. Um, did plenty of fun, awesome things. You know, we'll look through my books. There's plenty of fun pictures in there. Um, but knowing that I need, I needed to run away. Mm. I needed an out. And unfortunately that meant cutting off almost everything from before. You know, like I needed to, um, figure myself out. That was my whole goal for leaving. I wanted to go to a school that I wasn't going to know anybody at. I wanted to try and figure out who I was. Um, and that was, you know, because when you're living in like a toxic family environment, you do not know who you are because you are constantly being who those people need you to be, you know, Mm. doing, um, it's hard to explain with trying to be vague, um, but it, they are, you know, you have to be a certain way. You have to act a certain way. You have to watch what you say. You know, there's no, you can't really have a lot of emotion when you're in like a toxic family. Um, at the same time, everyone else has a lot of emotion. <laughs> um, but I knew that I needed, I needed to get away and I needed to figure out who I was and I needed to figure out 
the things that I enjoyed doing and mm. the things that made me happy. And to do that, I knew I needed to go far away. I needed to sort of let the life before be the life before and start something new. Um, because I knew at, at a point in time I was going to um, move on from my family. And I did. That's so interesting. And I, I, I only asked that originally because we got into the theater stuff. And so it, it's interesting that like you, you know, you felt that confidence, but you really, it's almost like you waited to unleash, like you, you consciously waited to, un like you, like it, it reminds me right where the new year reminds me when people are like, yeah, I could, I could exercise in November, but January is coming up. <laughs> I'm going to do it then. That's the nice, clean time to do it. And yeah. it feels that's like that's exactly what I did. That's exactly wow. what I did. I knew that I was going to go to college and I was going to try acting. I was going to try it and see if I could do it. And I did. I walked in um, my program at the time. There was maybe like 60 kids in this theater program. And I was the only one with zero background. That's so wild that you just like didn't do any of it mm -mm. and it pissed a lot of people off it i mean you you know theater people um there was a bunch of girls the year ahead of me um, in college it in college yeah. yeah and they did not like that i came in without having any experience and was all of a sudden what everybody was talking about um so i came in and um right away i start i was like i'm not gonna audition first year I'm going to watch. I'm going to do stage crew. And I'm going to watch. I'm going to decide if if I can handle this or not. So I did stage crew and I made friends with the, the one of the seniors who was from Philadelphia, a guy named Sean, mm. who now works with my husband at the uh -huh. union up here. So um, but he was my buddy and he loved me because I was from Philadelphia. So everybody, you know, knew the Love girl that. from Philadelphia. Love and, that. That's my thing. Yeah. Who's from who's from Philly? Who's from Philly? And he loved that. So, um, yeah, I did stage crew. And then at the end of my freshman year, I, I did acting 101 and I did acting 102. And I um, met my professors who are still some of the most beautiful people in the world who I'm still so connected with on many levels. Um, but I auditioned for a show, a straight play. So mm -hmm. here's the difference. Like I went into this program that offered straight plays and musicals. You didn't have to sing because you, you couldn't sing. sing. You didn't have to dance. Exactly. Yeah, so I went in, I auditioned and I got a lead. First show ever. Wow. Um, and from that point on, I was cast in everything. I got leading roles. I got supporting roles. I um, was nominated for multiple awards. I went and competed in SCTC. I competed at Erda's. I did. Um, I got an Irene Ryan nomination. I like did the theater thing. Why do you think you succeeded? Because I didn't have anything holding me back, I was but able. Still, you could you could let it all hang out and yeah, and not get anything. But, I also, but you got leads. Why do you think you got? I mean, I'm asking like yeah. someone who like you know you talked about the system prior, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing do you, do you, was your school completely devoid of that of that type of a system? Do you think you were really that good? I'm asking you. Yes. Yeah, that's. I was good. Um, I was also. The token funny girl. Hmm. I got all the funny sidekick roles. I was, they were able to, if there was a lull, they were able to utilize me on stage. Um, 
one of the first things that, cause you know, going into it and you don't really, I had no background in theater. So mm. they said blocking to me. I didn't know what the hell blocking was. And you know, there was a girl ahead of me who was like, how do you not know what blocking is? I'm brand new to all this and I don't care mm. anymore what you, I don't care what you think. And having that, that confidence of being like, I don't care, I'm going to do this. That all is from my friends in high school. Every single one of those girls taught me that. So I went in there with that confidence of like, I don't care. I can have the friends that I want to have. I can be the person I want to be. I don't care what you think of me. Yeah, and I yeah. get what you're saying, but you know how that sounds. It's like, <laughs> what else you, it, no, no, it just, it sounds like you're going in like, I'm a cool kid. Yes. <laughs> that is what you're saying. hundred percent. Yes. I walked in there like I am a popular person. People like me. Watch. I know like Eric, me. Eric and Brad. Come on. <laughs> Wait, do you see my friends now? Um, but it, it's true, though, because unfortunately, theater people are not right, cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so when they got me in there and I have this enthusiasm Hilarious. and I can, you know, I can hang out with anybody and I'm having fun and I'm bringing this energy. The directors were like they were directors picking out shows that I could be in for them. Hmm. There were shows uh, constantly that they were like, we've picked this one because you are going to be in it. Yeah. Um, and by my senior year, that's that's really all it was, was like. But you never ventured into the musical aspect, right? I did. You did. So I auditioned my first. It was after I, I got the role in the first show and then there was another show coming up and it was a singing one. And I was like, you know what? I just got to do it. <laughs> this is really funny and embarrassing and awful. Um, but I can't sing. So what do I do? So I just sing a song from Greece, just the only song that I know sure. all the words to. Um, and they were like, stop, just please stop. Sing Amazing Grace. And I know some of the words to Amazing Grace, but I belted it and I sung it as loud as I possibly could in this auditorium. Just not even, I'm not even knowing how to sing. And, um, I felt really awkward and weird and you know kept looking at Anne who was playing the piano and she was you got it you got it like the sweetest old lady ever and I was just like singing it out and um they said they were like you've never you've never sang before and I was like no no I I can't sing and the music director um Dr. Bankston who's really well known down there he's great sat out of his chair reached up and was like who told you you couldn't sing and I was like eh Wissahick in middle school. Miss <laughs> Papadopoulos. Whatever her name was. No, Re I was like. Rubenstein. Yeah, I was like every, everybody up until t everybody ever. It's another tick yeah. on her record. <sighs> but he was like, but this was the worst part. He was like, my dear, you can sing. Wow. But I don't have time to teach you and I'm not going to. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't get cast in that show. Um. But I did have a pretty straight uh, casting record after that. You know, like I pretty much got cast in everything that I auditioned for. You know, it's it's like you did. You jumped on the opportunity as mm -hmm. soon as you got to college. But there's nothing like that was like in waiting where you were just like, oh, I was like just saving all this up. And this was, you know. Well, I think kind of just one of the things that I have in me personally is I um, take chances. Mm -hmm. And when I do, I hit the ground running. I always do. Did that 
did you do that in high school or do you think that just came in co- after college as we talked about with I your think confidence? It, I think it started in college. Yeah. I think um, because that, I mean, well, maybe not because I, I was really good and maybe, maybe it did start in high school um, because I did, I was really good at part-time jobs. And the reason why I'm good at part-time jobs is Leslie Weber. Because, because of the drafting room? Yes. So Leslie Weber got me the job at the drafting room. And I had been, I had worked at Pandelli's. I had worked at Eastside Mario's. Pandelli's. Kim. I worked with Kim there. Um, and I worked at Eastside Mario's. And I worked, um, I mean, starting at 14. Mm. I mean, oh, Bain's Deli at the mall. This was a good story. Mm. My dad, my 15th birthday, drops me off at the Montgomeryville Mall, the food court, says, get a job, call me when you get a job. Yeah, that is how. Uh, now that you've described like that is how I would. I was like, oh my god, that's exactly how I would have stereotyped it. Now that you've described it, <laughs> go get a job. Go. It was he like literally pulled up to the entrance outside my grandma mall. I walk in, I look around, and I was like, eh, Bain's Deli. Nobody goes to Bain's Deli, so I'm gonna go there. So I went over, I applied. They hired me on the spot. You mean no one goes there? Like you didn't want to see friends? No, meaning people never eat there. But I won't have to do anything. Oh, okay. We'll <laughs> just be able to stand there. Okay. So I went over, I applied. They hired me on the spot. I went outside, got on the payphone, called my dad, and he was like, I just walked in the door. And I was like, Well, come I'm good. back. Yeah, come back. So I went through a string of those little jobs. And then Leslie got me the job at the drafting room as a hostess. And I I complained a lot. I complained just about everything. And Anne actually called me out on being a complainer too in lacrosse. Um, and I think that was a direct, like that, that was a lot of my influence at home. A lot of complaining, a lot of things aren't good enough. Um, but I complained a lot at the drafting room. And finally one day Leslie goes, if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. And I was like, Oh shit, you're right. Like I need a job. This job isn't so bad. And that I was there for like three years. Hmm. Leslie and I worked there together for three years. We got um, Eric Mailhorn a job there. Chrissy Jones started working there. I loved her. Oh, yeah, her. Chrissy Jones. Wow, that's a throwback. I knew she her from Madison. She was my buddy. I loved Chrissy Jones. And her uncle was one of the managers. So she was there with us. Um, but we had a great time there. And I got a lot of really good work ethic there. Um, like, I learned a lot. So when I went to... Myrtle Beach, I already had all this experience in the restaurant business from being there. And I got hired right away. And then I was able to work in in Myrtle Beach. Restaurant work is what you do. So I was able to work my way all through college. I had a couple of different waitressing jobs and bartending and barback. I did everything. I started out like as a hostess. I did barback. I did, you know, wait staff and I was a bartender eventually. Um, But like having that experience really kicked that off for me. And it was a really good experience to be able to go in and make all the money that I needed to make in one night. Yeah. Get me through a week in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> um, and I worked for, I ended up working for the Hard Rock Cafe when I was there. And I loved the Hard Rock Cafe. They are one of the best companies really? to work for. Um, when I was there, actually, some of our um, people were in Biloxi mm-hmm. when, the, when Hurricane Katrina hit. And Hard Rock flew a private plane down there and got all their employees out. Wow. Like that's how good they are to their people. That's good. Um, and they, when I was getting ready to leave, because I was there my senior year of college, um, they offered me a training position. So I'd only been there six months. And this had always happened since that job at the drafting room. I always got into a job and I put a lot of effort into it. Thank you, Leslie Weber. And I got 
promoted and I got kept every single time. Like I was the kid who came in for um, Christmas, the holiday overhire, and I always got kept or summer overhire and I always got kept on Mm -hmm. because I worked really hard. I tried. I wanted to be there. Um, So they had, it was, I had been there a while and they had offered me there. I was the only person they kept on from summer and they, it was a really great job for me. And one of the managers pulled me aside and she was like, we really want you to excel with this company. We really want you to be a, a trainer. And when you're a trainer, you go to all these different countries and open up hard rocks all over the world. Wow. And I was like, no. Nah. You don't want to do that. I don't want, I was you like, want I don't to do wanna, theater. Yeah. I was like, I, well, I was like, I don't even, I don't really think I want to act anymore, but I want to work in theater. Mm. And I want to, I want to do something a little bit more normal. I want, I want to have a normal life. I don't want to. You don't to, want to travel. I don't want to travel. So that's funny because you wanted to leave home so bad. I needed to I needed to be somewhere that I could be on my own and that I could have the freedom to try the things that I needed to try and to figure out who I I didn't know who I was. You're still too young. I had no idea who I was until I went to college. And that is what cracks me up about it, because I didn't know who I was. I get into this theater program where I have to learn how to pretend to be other people. And that's how I figured out who I am. Yeah. They pushed us to do, they pushed us to like get out there and try things. And um, when I did, you know, I left, I graduated and came up here and I got the job at the Walnut Street Theater right away. And I called my professor, Greg, Mm. who I'm still very close with, um, even if it's only through Facebook. But I called Greg and he was like, Chrissy, hold on, hold on. I'm putting you on speaker. We're in a meet, we're in an all staff meeting right now. And he puts me on the speaker and he was like, guys, it's Chrissy Shuck. She's on the phone. What do you have for us, Chrissy? And I was like, hey, I got a job at the Walnut Street Theater in Philadelphia. And they all started screaming and clapping because their student mm-hmm. had gone on yeah. and done something, you know? So like, even to, like to this day, I feel like that experience as a whole, that those four and a half years, I had to do a half at college I did five. <laughs> had to do it in four and a half years um I did five yeah i mean it's normal it's whatever can all um, be rishi yeah exactly um that really uh helped me like solidify me as like i am not um like i can do bigger things yeah i can do more i there is no reason why i can't <laughs> pursue the things that i want to pursue even with no experience i can still figure it out what did that what did you think i mean so you you went for that job at the walnut tree but was mm-hmm. that exactly what you thought i mean yes. one did was it that you instantly you, you wanted to come back to the area i was finishing up my senior year of college and um i kind of at that point i was actually like just overacting on stage i just i was like i don't know if i really want to do this professionally um, because I'd gotten to a point where I really was striving for normalcy. I really wanted stability. And an actor's lifestyle is not stable. And I, I knew, yeah, I knew that going into that lifestyle, I would be giving up having a family or I'd have to, it would be postponed a long time. Yeah. And I knew I would have to struggle for money. And I'd Especially, have to as a, yeah, I'm not even thinking about it as a woman, right? Yeah. And like also, you know, having to travel and not really having a place to call home. And like the one thing I've wanted my whole life is a home. And like, I just kind of, I knew I had set some goals for myself um, coming to Philadelphia, but the reason why I came to Philadelphia. So 
I didn't, I knew I was in, I was in South Carolina and I knew I didn't want to be in South Carolina. I was actually considering Chicago. I was considering going up there and trying the improv circuit and maybe, you know, working up there. I could, I could work at any hard rock cafe I wanted to. They would have put me anywhere. Right. Um, so I was considering Chicago and my brother calls me. Now my brother and I do not talk anymore. We are not, we do not like each other. Um, but my brother calls me and he's like, Hey, you're, you're graduating. Um, why don't you come live with me? I just built this house and um, I want to give you what mom and dad didn't give me, which is somewhere to go after you graduate college. Just come. We'll take care of everything. You can just live here and figure things Where out. Where is this? Westchester. He was out in Westchester. Um, so I took him up on it. I was like, absolutely. My brother's like been such a, you know, inspiration my whole life. I like love my big brother. Like, this is great. He wants to bond with me and, and bring me to come live with him. So I do, I, um, I graduated in December and by, like, by this point, mid January, I had packed up my stuff and I drove back up to Westchester and I, I get there and I move into one of his spare rooms. And the first thing I do is get on the computer and start looking for jobs. And he was like a little like weird about that. Um, because I was looking at theater stuff and I was actually auditioning for Erda. So I was going to look at grad schools to possibly go to grad school oh. and continue acting that way. Um, even though I knew I really didn't, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, you know, I was like, I don't know if I want to, but I'm going to audition for grad schools and see what happens. Cause I am a big believer in like the right door opens for me. Okay. It's, you know, if I'm banging my head against something, it's not working. That's not the right path for me. But I was going to like, all right, I'll do Erda's. My school also really wanted me to do it. So Erda's are auditions for grad school. So you have to go to like New York and you audition in front of a bunch of grad schools. Um, so I came up there and I had that ready to go. And I had logged into a, the Theater Alliance, which isn't around anymore, but it basically just posts jobs. And one of the jobs was an apprenticeship at the Walnut Street Theater. It was in the subscriptions department, which is, you know, clerical admin stuff. And I applied for it um, and I got an interview right away. And my brother immediately was very hesitant about he didn't want me going into the city. Oh, gosh. Oh, big, big, scary city. Um, so I went on the audition. Nobody was going to tell me. I wasn't. Or I went on the interview. Um, I came down. And I met the boss who I'm still friends with to this day and um, had a really good interview. And I knew usually I can I can say like, you know, when I go on interviews, I'm like, yeah, I maybe could get it. But th at this point, I was like, I think that I'm getting that job. Mm. I'm pretty confident that I'm getting that job. Um, and it was really just an apprenticeship where I would be coming in and, you know, helping with the subscription sales and, you know, doing a lot of computer stuff, working in a CRM. Um, so I had that. And then I had the auditions like two days later. So right. I go up to New York and I audition. I don't get anything. And that's totally normal. And I didn't care. But even being at the auditions, I had already known like in my head that I was getting the job at the Walnut and I was already sort of sold on that over grad school. And my professor Greg was, you know, he had told me before I left, he's like, you're going to Philadelphia. You got to go to the Walnut Street Theater. You got to go there. So I come back um, from New York and I get the job at the Walnut and I'm so excited. And my brother is like, you're not taking that job. You're not going into the city every day. You need to go get a waitressing job save your money and then maybe go to Chicago in a couple of years. And I was like, well, no. A couple of years. Yeah. I was like, well, no, I just graduated from college. I have a degree in theater. I'd like to use that and 
get a job in theater. And he was like, absolutely not. If you take that job, you need to leave. Get out of my house now. So he kicked me out. And back to Philadelphia, back to getting kicked out of houses. (laughs) Like the whole thing is happening again. Welcome back. Welcome back to Philly. You're getting kicked out of the house again. So I called my dad who I hadn't spoken to in five years. And and he was like, yeah, sure. Come, you know, you can live in the basement. And um, I was there for two weeks before I found an apartment and I moved. So I didn't waste any time. I was in and I was out. Yeah, I I don't waste time. Um, so I started that job in February at the Walnut Street Theater. I one month later, I am at opening night and I meet a man named Cornelius. <laughs> he was an apprentice too. Mm. He was a carpentry apprentice. My friend Dawn thought we would like each other, and we did. And we got married a few years later. So, wow. So everything just sort of fell into place for me. I I literally came up here. I got that job. I got an apartment right away. Not only that, then, you, you went against, like, you you had an olive branch, mm-hmm. which I bet felt so good to have, and you willingly left left that security out of just passion. Yeah. Well, I also knew that what he wanted me to do wasn't right for me. I knew that he wanted me to go, he wanted me to wait tables. And save my money, which I think was code for we are going to try to have a baby soon. You should be our live in nanny. Mm. But I could be completely wrong. Um, But it was just it was so awful for him to do that to me. And um, I just, you know, I it all worked out in the end. And he was very wrong about doing that because I ended up. I was with the walnut for years. I wonder if that happened. So I had a very similar situation. Please tell. And I wonder if that this happens for anything outside of the arts. Like, does anyone ever like, no, I'm going to be a fucking accountant, dad. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, is there anything other than the arts, you know, music, drama, film, video, where where it's like, no, I I know you don't want me to do like no one ever, you know, like you can't be a scientist. Yeah. You know, like that doesn't happen. There was no. And like I kept because I was talking to my sister Kathleen about it, who she was just like, get out of that house now. Like, go, you you're fine. Go leave. And she was just like. Tell me something like, do you want to do this? Do you want to go work at that Walnut Street Theater? And I was like, yes, I do. And she said, go like there's no there's no reason for you not to do what you want to do. And it's it's definitely like one of the issues that is part of my family is control. There's a lot of like trying to control each other. And that was definitely a moment where I felt like someone was trying to control my life and my decisions. And that's not going to happen to me anymore. So I'll tell you my experience was uh, after I left WWE, Mm -hmm. um, I really didn't know what I was going to do next. In my head, there was only one other. There's one thing left. Right, I'd written for TV. Now I need to try to make it in the in the industry. So I went to California and I lived with my aunt and my uncle in Temecula, which is about yeah, 90 minutes outside of L.A. Okay. It's uh, it's like kind of halfway point. It's like the suburbs of San Diego, about yeah. 90 minutes from 90 minutes from L.A., uh, about an hour from San Diego. So I was living there and similar taking care of my cousins who were in in high school, maybe middle school. 
um, at the time, like giving them rides and stuff. But the idea was that I was writing. I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out what what exactly is the is this world in L.A. Um, I was talking to Brandon Deese out there who's Aww. living there. BG Deese. Mm-hmm. BG. <laughs> Um, I had a friend from from Temple that lived out there that I visited a few times. So I was just trying to figure out the land and trying to leverage this whole I'm a WWE writer thing. Um, but, I, you know, I was there for probably I was there for a summer. Um, so I left in like I think I got there like in May. Um, I left in August. Wow. So there was a point where, you know, and I'm looking for writing jobs and trying to figure out I was like getting some meet. I was like setting up meetings with people that I knew in the area. Like I said, like Brandon and other people, family, friends who knew people in the it's L.A. Right. So everyone's connected. And, oh, I've got this guy who does who used to be a manager, or used to be an agent. He knows people that work at this channel and they can get you, uh, you know, get your shit seen or, or get you, your application looked at or whatever. Maybe you could be a staff writer or whatever. I was trying to find the, the break in point. Mm-hmm. My uncle told me that I needed to just get a job after it had been like two months. And I was yeah. in this for, I was in this for at the time I was I was, you know, in, I was in this to grind. And so as long as I was like making progress and meeting people and learning, I was I didn't care. Like and that's why I went there was to have the freedom to figure it out um, because I knew it was going to be a process. I didn't think it was going to be just a you get there and you get a job. I thought it might take a year to yeah. like truly, truly yeah. find something in L.A. and whatever. So and that's I, realistic. That's they, realistic. And I don't think they thought that that was realistic. And it became very quickly. My uncle started telling me that I should start. And I'm not knocking anyone. And, and in fact, um, I had like a cousin, one of my connections who was like a, a cousin um ran the dealership the beverly hills like uh mercedes dealership and he was like you need to start selling cars you need to like, get a go get a job and like start selling cars at a car dealership <laughs> that's my brother was like you need to be a real estate agent you need to go sell real estate and i was like but i'm not interested in that yeah, like, like it's a great job but i'm not interested i hate in sales like yeah. I, I don't want to do sales at all i'm, I'm in vi- i'm in like <laughs> art and media because I, I i have no interest in doing anything like that like my Some mind needs to people just think that like arts and theater and drama and visual anything visual arts is just so you're fucking around terrible yeah you're, you're wasting just, your life you're wasting your life and it's like it's if childish. you only knew how much fun we're having and you know if it works the the possibilities are fucking endless yes. and it's timeless. That's yeah. the other thing, right? I I try to take a lot of, you know, I don't know, solace in knowing that like people sometimes don't make it until they're like 50, mm-hmm. 60 years old. Yeah. Sometimes they make it when they're 25 and then they have a cold spell and then they come back again when they're 50. Yeah. You know, you yeah. think like what was it like for Betty White for like for like 15 years, yeah, 20 years, where she must have thought she's just this washed up actress. And then all of a sudden she starts dropping F-bombs. And for the now the last like 18 years, she's been a fucking crown jewel of Hollywood. Exactly. And and things like that, theater, you know, film, um, the arts in general, dance, mu- dance music. Um, it, there's just no there's no time limit of when someone can see how good you are. Exactly. And yeah, I just felt like, and that's why it's, you know, one of the main reasons of why I ended up leaving California was because I, I had that pressure. I was like, I'm not going to go get another job, and especially in California. My opinion was I'd rather come back to Philly and go back to Wawa yeah. than take a job in L.A. 
that I know is not really going to even It's not going to announce anything or help you get yeah, where it's, you want to be. Yeah, it's going to waste my time, especially because I wasn't auditioning for roles. Yeah. I was a writer. Yeah. I needed to write. I was writing. And I was trying to find some. I was trying to find the way in to show my shit to someone. Yeah. Now, now I know I was completely way off. But getting a job working a car dealership wouldn't have been, wouldn't have helped me figure that out. Yeah. You know, no, it, no, it just would have bought I would you have been, time. I would have yeah. been stuck there. And actually, probably just eaten up your time. That's the thing too. It's unless like, I just made like so much. Unless I somehow made, but it's just not my thing. I'm not a sales no, guy. In that way. No. Um. And I will say that as much as people look down on theater. And look down on um, it as a major in college, which I've heard my fair share of, of nasty comments about. My education in theater has gotten me to where I am today. And it is honestly the best education I could have gotten. Did you date in high school? No, not, not really. Um, we all made out with each other mm. at parties and stuff. You and Karen. And- <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah. like. All, all of us, you know, would would make out here and there. Mm. Um, but as for dating, no, I didn't date any of my friends. But you didn't date at all, not just your friends, but did you date in high school? Um, yes. Like outside of yeah, the school? Yeah, well, I mean, I went on a date. See, I'm hesitant to like even call them dates because I feel like I went on, I went on a date, but maybe what, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. Um, but like Kevin McCarthy and I went on a date once um and then i went on a date i did date so leslie dated a guy named jim i think she talked about him from the drafting room mm-hmm. and i dated one of his friends lloyd um very like briefly um but other than that like i didn't i didn't really go on dates and i didn't was that because you didn't want to weren't ready i don't think i mean nobody was interested that's yeah. also that has something to play with it. But like also, yeah, I definitely think psychologically I wasn't ready to date in high school and I wasn't ready to date in college either. Mm. Like I really not having any type of stable place to be. Um, I think that really kind of messes with your head in a way. And I couldn't I almost didn't want to expose someone else to that. Um, and that's like when I finally cut the strings with my parents, it was because like, I knew it was always coming. Um, but I met Neil mm. and I loved him the minute I met him. And I knew that he was the one for me the night I met him. And wait, I gotta catch cause it's Cornelius. It's Cornelius. And then Neil back and forth. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just he, catching yeah, that. He, I, he goes by Neil his name is Cornelius, um, and our son's name, our first son is Cornelius too. Um, but yeah, so he, I met him, and I knew immediately that like this is the person for me. I'm going to marry this man. And the first thought that jumped in my head after that was, oh my god, my parents are going to make their lives a living hell. Hmm. I can't do that to them. So that was when I was like, it's time. Like I knew it was coming. I knew the strings, cutting the strings was coming. Um, but I hadn't even met Neil's mom, and that was who I thought of. I was like, her f- lovely family, her everything she's finds joy in with her family will be ruined with mine. Mm. Mine will ruin it for her. Wow. So this, I need to end this, or mm. I'm never, 
my fam, my mother in particular will never let this relationship go. Will never let me enjoy it or wow. um, very, very controlling. Like I was talking about earlier. So wow. I didn't let a lot of people in. I didn't before that. I didn't let a lot of people in, but I, at that point I was ready. Um, and it was the best decision I ever made. Um, and his mom, you know, for a long time was concerned about it, obviously. Um, very much like, I don't understand why you don't talk to your parents. And um, I told her many things over the years. And finally, like a few years into our relationship, she just said, thank you. Just thank you for not bringing that into our world. Like, yeah. thank you for knowing that that was toxic and it was going to hurt us and hurt you, you know, continue to hurt you. So um, I sort of, you know, I've just sort of gone into my husband's family. <laughs> now I'm a part of that family and they're wonderful. And like, it's amazing to see, you know, and my husband says too, he's like, I, since being with me, he understands now how lucky he was. And he was like, I may not have ever realized how good I had it with my parents and how normal my life was until I started hearing about yours and seeing. And like my husband has lived through a lot of my trauma because it wasn't until recently that like with my brothers and sisters that everything just, we finally were like, this doesn't work. Mm. This doesn't work. It's, it's never going to work. So I honestly am, I'm so much happier. I feel like Neil put it best. He one day, like there was like one, one of my family members that's like more distant, like did something. And I was like, again, here we go here. This is, you know, like I have to now ignore mm -hmm. them. And, you know, and he was just like, listen, Chrissy, just look at our family and know that you've created a boring family. We are boring. That is normal. Mm. Like you did it. You did it. You broke the chain or you broke the cycle and you did it, which is, um, that's, that is what it all came down to was, um, I really, stability. yeah, I wanted stability. I wanted normalcy and I got it. I found it. Yeah. When you talk about like, and, and, you know, I go through, you know, I've got my own family trauma and, and shit with my dad and, and my dad's family. And I didn't have much relationship with them at all, especially once my parents got divorced. Um, my grandmother died when I was like 10. Um, but every time things came, ar came around with my dad's family, it never ended up. I have a half sister. Uh, who's 10 years older than me lives oh. yeah lives on the other side of the country um but you know from you know even like my grandfather was was very dramatic with things and didn't get along with my dad and my grandfather had cousins um that when my grandfather died um didn't tell me mm. i was in connecticut and didn't tell me that he had passed and so I found out like after the fact and then it was like, oh, what's up with the estate? And it was just like, you know, between that and my sister and, and I went through very similar things as far as like contact when my dad died and trying to do the right thing and let my sister know and all those things. But when when my dad died, uh, which was like two years ago, three years ago, something like that, um, it was kind of like the final well, now there is no reason for anybody on my dad's side of the family to ever have to get in touch with me again. Yeah. 
And because everything followed such a pattern, mm-hmm. I was like in the best way okay with that. Yeah. But, and this is my question to you, did you do any work on yourself? Because regardless of me being free of that, that doesn't fix a lot of things about my dad's family that are that are in me. Did you, yes, yeah, did. you do work on yourself. Yes. So um, when I was pregnant with my second son, Frankie, um, my brother was getting really strange with me. He was, he was getting really angry with me and he was starting to really like, he had been doing it for years and I had kind of like, I had noticed it, but I just was like, it, it, he just kept telling me it was tough love and he just was wanting to be tough this love. This one that with, kicked, kicked you kicked out, me of out of his house. Yeah. yeah. And my brother had told me I should go to therapy. First of all, I said, you need to go to therapy. So I, I found a therapist and uh, the first one like didn't call me back. And um, I asked for another one and I said specifically, I was like, listen, I need a woman. I need a Jewish woman. And you're close by. Because you're the hoarder of Jews. I am. I am. Um, and I, I, they gave me a woman named Maddie. And oh, yeah. I met up with her immediately. And I laid it all out when I got into her office. And she said, first, very first thing she said to me was, my dear, you do not need therapy. Your problem is not you. Your problem is your family. And I'm more than happy to talk to you about it and listen to you. But you are not the one who needs to be here. And I saw her for three years. I continued to go to her once a month for three years. And I told her everything. And she, every single time, you know, and and pretty like on our like year mark, she'd be like, hey, you really don't need to be here. It's really not you. Um, But I'm happy to talk to you for as long as you need and we can work things out. So what we focused on was a lot of communication skills and how to communicate with people who are toxic or mm. are trying to manipulate you or how to, you know, deal with a narcissist, which is a big one. Um, so a lot of it was learning, relearning how to communicate with others and to avoid emotional conflict and emotional reactions. Mm. Um, so I learned a lot going to her. And when I finally did say like, okay, I think, I think I'm okay now. She was like, yeah, you've been, you've been okay. <clears throat> Which was um, really, I mean, an amazing, amazing to hear because that's not usually what you expect. But she said, she was like, the people who generally seek out theater or not theater, <laughs> therapy um, are the ones who don't need it. She was like, it's the people in their lives that are controlling them, manipulating them, you know, toxic people who make you think that you're the one with the problem. How much of that, though, is just the ability to to say it out loud? And you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, it was it was great going in there and like touching on things that like I hadn't been able to really talk about with people and. Um, really let out a lot of um, the trauma that I had experienced growing up and um, having someone who's on your side, you know, and who can really just listen and absorb what you're saying and then give you the tools to move on. And like when I was with her was in a huge adjustment point in my life. I mean, that was when I was pregnant with my second son 
my husband, um, like the, I mean, cause I was with her for three years. So I was mm. pregnant with that. So we adjusted sure, through sure. the adjustment of having two kids. And then when my husband got fired from the walnut and then I ended up having to leave and become a stay at home mom, she was there for me through that. And we yeah. really, that was a really hard adjustment. And it was great to have someone who could tell me like, your feelings are valid and you know, what you're, what you're going through is normal. And here's how you need to say mm. this to your husband about what you need from him right now as a stay at home mom. And that's a huge communication skills. And that's the thing that I think I, I mean, I self shrink myself and I, and I'm, I try to be very honest with myself about things that aren't, that I don't like, or when people bring things up about my own personality, um, and where I, I maybe rub people the wrong way. Yeah. I try to, I try to take it at face value and I try to, you know, change those things about myself over time. Communication I find is the hardest thing from the simplest from the simplest issue that's not even an issue to, you know, having a big problem just the way that you talk to someone about mm -hmm. it is, you know, affects your your soul. Yeah. You know, affects your your daily life, you know, you look at what's going on now just the way that you, people can communicate with people. I have friends that I don't even have a problem with, but we're not communicating well mm -hmm. and it bothers the fuck out of me. Yeah. And I just go like, I just can't talk to him right now because it's, it feels weird. We're not communicating very well. And I don't, and this is the thing that I, I want to see therapy about. I don't know how to, I don't know how to transfer those feelings in any other way, but anger mm -hmm. and extreme disappointment or sorrow. Yeah. It's the most extreme emotion you know, of sadness or madness that I feel when I, when I can't communicate with someone. Yep. And and that's the thing that I like, I want to get over because I don't want to be mad or sad about yeah. things that don't really matter that much. We might pick things up in two to three months, but like for now, I, any day I'll think, you know, I just think about it, I just go, yeah, why is this not clicking? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, anger is one of those emotions that just can take over so fast. And when you don't know, it's just like a child. Like when they don't know how to communicate, they throw a temper tantrum, mm. they scream and they kick and they don't know how to tell you what they need or they don't know how to tell you what they want. And we as adults do the same thing. Like we just, we lose it because we don't know how to verbalize what we need at that moment, in that moment. So we start screaming and getting upset. And I think that that was a, that was a big issue for me in high school. I did not know how to mm. um, communicate like how I was feeling or my needs. Um, there was a lot I was keeping inside. I was, you know, my home life in general, I was trying to hide from everyone. Yeah. Um, I have a very vivid memory, very specific memory because I was, I mean, I was, I, I'm sure I seemed perfectly fine. I'm sure I seemed pretty happy and normal. Um, because one day I'll never forget Katie Pollins. I love Katie Pollins. I love, she keeps getting love brought up her. I want her on the show so bad. Um, Katie Pollins and I had a lot of classes together and I don't know what I said or what I was doing, but she like came in and she was sitting behind me and she was just like, Chrissy, are you just one of those people that nothing bad ever happens to? Mm. And I don't know what I said to her. I don't know. I don't know if I just didn't say anything or if I just looked away, but in my head I was like, you have no idea how much my home life sucks. No idea but I'm tricking everybody. <laughs> like nobody can see it. But my friends, my friends knew. Yeah. My friends all knew. Leslie knew. 
Leslie was very in tune to what was going on. And obviously Karen and Leah were too. Um, but Le I think Leslie specifically had a lot um, of insight. We worked together and um, she's, sure, yeah. yeah, she's another level yeah. outside of school and basic yeah. friendship. Yeah. She, uh, I remember like, cause I would always get kicked out and then <laughs> this is kind of fun. I mean, I'd get kicked out and then I'd have to like, can you let everybody know that I'm not at my mom's house anymore? They have to call me at my dad's house or they can page me. Let, let everybody know. And then, you know, the phone calls would go to my mom's house. Chrissy doesn't live here anymore. Hang up. Mm. Um, and one time at the very end, I like I was back at my dad's house. And between the two parents, like my dad really had he could have been the more stable parent. Mm. He did not want to be. But he had all the materials to be a stable classic parent. Dad shit. Yeah, classic dads. Um, coulda, coulda. Didn't really he wanna, really yeah, wanna. did not want to do yeah. it. Um, but I was back at his house, and um, I had called Leslie, and she was like, "Yeah, well, that's the one place that you really have like a fighting chance." Or so whatever she said. She was like, "That's the one place that's like really stable." Mm. And in that moment, I knew I was like, "Oh, Leslie knows. She knows." everything like i don't even have to go into too much detail she already knows yeah. she knows how bad it is so like all my, i mean all my friends um i i think were pretty much aware of how bad it was there was a point my dad took his family to florida i was living with him mm. he took his new family to florida how what was the age difference of the new family with those kids uh, while you're one, in high he has a daughter and she's 14 years younger than me. Wow, yeah. Um, so, like, as you're graduating, she's like four. Yeah, she was a baby. Um, but which he, requires a lot of attention. And, yeah, you know. yeah, but not. I mean, my dad had five kids altogether. There, none of none of you know. I mean, he did a lot better with her, but I mean, he really phoned it in pretty much. <laughs> he knew how to change a diaper. I don't mean to I laugh. Bet. It's just, yeah, um, candor is just funny. It's, it's okay. All true comedians, it all comes from trauma. Exactly. Um, but yeah, he took his new family to Florida and I wasn't included on that. And I was living with him at the time. And he was like, find a friend to stay with and change the code on his door or his um garage. Like locked you like locked you're not me out of the house. In. Wow. And I lived out of my car. I stayed with Elena. Like Jewel? What? Like Jewel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My whole trunk had all my stuff in it. I had all my clothes, all my makeup, all my shower stuff. Everything was in the trunk. And I went between Elena's house and Karen's house and Melissa Morgatan's house. I just bounced around until my dad came back and allowed me back in the house. Wow. Imagine if you weren't popular. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I'm trying to say is like I wouldn't have had a fighting chance in hell yeah. if I didn't have those friends. And I know that. And like, so a part of me is very sad that like I did when I left, like I had to go, I had to go find myself and I had to figure out my life and I couldn't keep the connections here. I, I couldn't, you know, like I, there was nowhere for me to come home. I couldn't come home on the holidays and see people. And everyone left for college. Yeah. You didn't and, have that. You don't have that on a daily basis here. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I do, there is definitely a part of me that's like, I really wish that I had been better about keeping in contact with my friends from high school. Like, I mean, Natalie and I were so close mm. and I, you know, we're Facebook friends or Instagram friends, but you know, I haven't talked to her in years and um, like Melissa and you know, there's, it's definitely, it's sad, but that's what, I mean, that's what happens. But I do, you know, like they were so important to me, to my survival, you know, like they were important to me as my friends, but 
lit- legitimately my survival. Mm. Like those kids um, like protected me. Do you think that, and I, I was joking earlier when I was like, thank God you were popular, but like, <laughs> no, but it's true. But I mean, I, you know, popular crowd and all that. And that's kind of like the way I was, I meant joking about that. You'd have like these cool kids to go hang out with, but you know, assuming you would have just had friends, do you think the caliber of, of pop in serious now with the popularity, do you think that had an effect on you as much or more so than just having friends? Do you think the fact that you were, you know, in this type of a world versus, you know, no disrespect to anyone that's that wasn't in the cool kid yeah. crowd. But, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to pull a name out. My Margo Matthews. Right. Oh, OK. Right. Uh, something. And I love Margo was Annie. And, yeah. And, yeah. She was, you know, so just something, you know, that you weren't just that you were a, a little bit more prominent in school. Do you think that that had an effect on you, on you and your self-esteem? Like we talked about, like, you know. I'm one of the cool kids, like when you get to college, like whatever, yeah. like, do you think like, ser- like, in all, in all honesty, like the fact that you wore that type of person with a little bit more attention on you versus being just the kind of a kid that maybe someone people do been, or do not know. Yeah. Maybe someone who was completely ignored, like invisible or just, you know? or just, you know, only had their, gr- their group of friends, you know, six yeah. friends, seven, you know, like myself, you know, people knew me, but I'm a bad example because people knew me because I was so fucking loud and I didn't mind my business. But like. <laughs> You know, like uh, uh, like Tom, the way Tom Beale feel, felt that like people may or may not or or um, Paul Cannon felt like people may or may not like remember him. Like you, that's not a question for you. Do you think that that aspect of it alone had more of an effect on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a really big um, survival skill for me. Honestly, I think um, having that personality, having that type of like, like my friends, like, I mean, even hanging out with them in, in high school, there were definitely times where I was like, I don't even know if I fit in here. I really don't know if I fit in here. And then they would go and do something that reminded me that, yes, I do fit in here. Mm. And like, yes, they do. You know, they do care about me. Um, and like, I, I just, I really think that having that, security and that almost like safety you know and like even with like especially with our guy friends like i was very close with dan cassidy um pete stampone chris gebert like i really thought chris gebert and i are best friends and then i come to find out he's best friends with everybody like he is like everyone's best friend here i am thinking like i'm special to him in high school and i was like oh god he's like everybody's best friend yeah and he was a really good friend of mine. Mm. Really good friend. Um, Eric Nelson was a really good friend. Eric Mailhorn and I were in L- preschool together. We mm. known each other our whole lives. Um, so and like you know Brad, all of those guys, like they were just good. Pe- I'm a good people. All really good people. It's so wild because you know part of this whole podcast is like confronting those those feelings of like when I see those people and those are not the feelings that I necessarily have with everyone or even the group. So it's so yeah. like to get to talk to these people and get to know them now. It's you know part of it's like oh man, I wonder. I've kind of couched it as like it couldn't have happened like this back then. Because in my head, one, I wasn't that type of per- I wasn't that nice of a person to be so open minded. I didn't think they were. So it's really interesting to see, you know, to hear these stories of like 
from a good hearted place of like they like you know what I mean? Like they really like they saved you and now yeah. each other. They still Or even do. to hear like um to hear like um uh, like like what I'm assuming you're talking about, like silliness or like yeah. when you think like, you know, all these different characters are things that I never knew about while we were there. So it's always interesting yeah. to hear like kind of the the biology. Yeah. Of no, the I mean, cool kid crowd. I feel like we weren't um, like we we were never partying, making fun of other people outside of our crew. Like that never happened. We were in our parties making fun of each other. Mm. Like we were dicks to each other. We weren't. I think that's the hardest part of it is you always like when you're on the outside, you wonder, you know, I had this problem with so-and-so in class today. And this is like the thing where I, where I've now like realized like, no, they didn't think about it afterwards. But like when you're there, you're just like, you're in turmoil. I wonder if, if Eric, I wonder if, I wonder if Bram Goldrick's telling, telling Brian Keenan about, the blow up we had in English class. And it's like, no, one, not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Brad or, is one of the nicest. People. Or likewise, you know, like, or yeah. likewise, like, I wonder if Katie Evelyn is telling Colleen Farrell about the joke I told her in math class and how we were laughing for like a couple. Nope. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and those are like the kind of the back and forth of, I don't even register with them. Yeah. Slash. I bet they are talking shit about me. You know no. what I mean? Like we never were. Man, we never wasn't, were. Didn't give a fuck about no, me. No, no, <laughs> no. They they were. <laughs> no, we we definitely did not. Um, like especially with our own class, you know, like our own. Like I feel like by senior year, I really felt that by senior year we all like melded together into one class. Like I really felt that senior year, um, everybody was friends at that point. Like mm. we all were just friends. Like I became really good friends with Dave Zeger, um, my senior year. And I hadn't hung out with Dave. I don't really know him. So I have really good stories about Dave. <laughs> so Dave, um, Dave and I became really good friends senior year. Um, and he was very like timid with me at first. Like he he I could tell when he was, he just did not know what to say to mm. me. And I was like, no, 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 like we're friends. What, what, what's going on? We're friends. And he was like, I have to confess something to you. And I was like, oh God, what happened? He's like, do you remember like what happened between us? Like 10th grade or something? I was like, I have no idea. What are you talking about? Uh, apparently in the parking lot one day after school, he said, <laughs> you were walking with all like three or four of your friends, like Adrian, Rachel, Alicia, whoever. Great crew. And I like bumped into him while we were walking in the parking lot. And apparently was like, watch it, loser. Yeah. That's and, what I'm talking about. Yeah. And and he was like, and I just hated you yeah. <laughs> until now. And I was like, Dave, I don't remember that. I'm so sorry. I don't remember that at mm. all. Like, was I a dick? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then Dave was a dick to me later on. He he we became really good like friends. And he like I um <laughs> I got nominated for an award at the end of the year. There was like awards they gave out for kids that like did exceptionally well in, in certain classes. And okay, yeah. So this exactly. was an this was an MCP award? Exactly. So here here's where we're getting with that. So I get the letter in the mail and it says that I'm being honored with an award and it won't tell me what. And I called three-way called. Karen and Dave Zeger. And I was like, I got this, this thing about winning an award. And Karen was like, well, yeah, I did too. And Dave I did too. And Dave was like, Chuck, what would you possibly excel at? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. This has 
to be a mistake. And Karen was like, Chrissy, it's definitely a mistake. Like it, it's got it. There's like no, this is for like, you know, advanced placement people. Yeah, you got like, Dave Majumdar's. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you're deaf. There's really nothing that you would possibly win. So I went, I still went to the thing and was like, I have no idea what I could possibly get, be here for. It's gotta be a mistake. They, it has to be someone else. But I won an award for sign language. They had, they gave me a scholarship. Um, oh wow! For my participation cool. in in the classroom, and seeing you were fighting for that your entire co- your entire high school career. Yep. And what was cool about it was so they um they it was called the Susie McKenzie Award. I'll never forget. And they talked about Susie, and she was an interpreter, and she um was just bound like cheerful and bouncy, and she brought so much energy, and she loved what she was doing, and they saw so much of that in me that they just like had to give me this award, and um I took it. And I was so excited and. I came into my next like meeting in their classroom and they were like, we want to show you Susie. We want to show you what she looked like. She was the interpreter that I met at Shady Grove, who's Matt's interpreter. Wow. And she inspired me. Wow. It was really cool. It was like full circle. So when did you learn sign language? Oh, I learned fourth grade. So I think Matt came in in the fourth grade and he yeah, it had to have been fourth grade. And he um, was in my class. Like they they would put him in sometimes, the interpreter would come. Mm. And I was just fascinated by this language that you could speak with your hands. So my dad would always take me to this big book warehouse um, when on our Wednesdays. <laughs> and I asked him to buy me this sign language dictionary. And he was really, really hesitant, but he bought it for me. And I still have that book. It's in my uh, basement with where I pulled all these picture books out of. Um, but I taught myself every single sign in the book. And then I started talking to Matt. And we became friends. And I would sign with him. And I got – and Jocelyn, too. She was like a year younger. She was on my Jocelyn. bus. She lived in – on like right by Madison Avenue School. Oh. Um, but she was bused to Shady Grove for the sign language program. So you probably wouldn't have seen her. Um, But she was on the bus with me. So I would talk to her and I would talk to Matt and I eventually just got so good at it that I was interpreting for Matt in the fifth grade when they were short of an interpreter. So I I got really good at it, but my parents didn't really support it. They didn't really catch on that I was doing something. It's on brand, huh? Yeah. So middle school, I really lost it. I didn't. I didn't have any more classes with Matt, and I and knew you that wanted they wanted to take it as a language, and they and they wouldn't let no. me. And like, um, and you know, I didn't have like they had put Matt in my class in fifth grade. They made sure we were in the same class, mm-hmm. and they had him sit next to me in case he needed to talk to someone. So that was like wow. very specific. They made sure that we were partnered together. Um, so then when I got back into it, my senior, cause I'd always, I'd always talked to Matt in the um, halls cause mm. I could, and I would talk to Jocelyn, I would talk to Eddie. Um, so my sign skills stayed pretty, pretty good. I just was always really bad at reading sign language back. I was always just a little bit slow. Like yeah, I, I would, yeah. I could sign fast to them, but receiving the information was a little bit harder for yeah. me. But when they put me in Dr. Shire's class, my senior year, um, I really thrived there. I really did. I did like I, t- I remember one day they had me teach math. I taught math in sign language. That's cool. Like that was hard, um, especially because I wasn't good at math. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I was like, oh, good thing I have the <laughs> notes here. Um, 
But yeah, it was a very, I loved being in that classroom. And Dr. Shire was super inspirational. She was amazing. She drove that Porsche. And she was the white spiky hair, short lady. Awesome. She was great. So Uh, she. Glasses? No. I can't think of who this is. She drove a badass Porsche because sign language interpreters can make some really good money. Oh. Um, But I. Hot tip. Yeah, hot tip. But it's a very hard um, community to break into. So mm-hmm. I did come when I was here and I decided I didn't want to act anymore. I was like, I mean, I'll go back to sign language. But wow. the do- the window had already closed. Like I was too, like too busy with other stuff. I just couldn't. I like, going to say like, too old, like it's a sport. No, it was just like. <laughs> it already I, passed me by. Yeah. I was out of my prime. My knees I, were hurting. Yeah, my hands. <laughs> and arthritis. really, really wasn't getting it. Uh, but I really wasn't getting it. And I, it was much, much harder for me to juggle, you know, um, being an adult, doing night school again. At that point, I was getting married. I, you know, I had my job and I just kind of was like, I, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's always going to be there. And I do wonder if like, maybe I had had a better support system at home. If someone had noticed that I had a, you know, a talent with this, and this was something that I should maybe go to college for, Mm. (laughs) you know, maybe pursue, um, but no one did. No one. You know, what's funny about that is that like that was always a thing that you only I only saw in school. Right. It was it was an interpreter. And now in modern era, like the sign interpreter is like the rock star, like on Twitter <laughs> or Instagram, whatever, when like Obama or whomever mm-hmm. is giving a big speech and the whole world is watching a hundred percent of the time, the interpreter will start trending and they'll be like, yep. are you seeing this guy or this girl? They're <laughs> fucking killing it right yeah, now. Like feel it. It's it's like a different world, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in general, I think um disabilities and 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 all and all types of um I don't want to say handicaps. I don't know what the right word is. Yeah. I just said it, but <laughs> you can edit that out if you yeah, I'm gonna it. leave it. Out. Whatever the the term is, but people who who are struggling with whatever disabilities mm-hmm. or whatever, um, I think we're just so much more accepting to where now it's like you I almost feel like they they include the interpreter yeah. on purpose on this. You know what I mean? Or you'll or now on TV, it's always like the, always the picture bubble. in picture. Yeah. yeah, it's a picture in picture. And it's like, again, it's always trending. People are mm-hmm. always noticing. It just seems like such a it seems like a real job yeah, that is. can well, take I mean, you to the heights of mm-hmm. the heights, even like to like be signing at a concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And back then it was like how I saw it was classrooms and like school play or school school recitals. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like that was, you know, signing. I believe I can fly. Yeah. Well, I mean. It it really is a good skill to have. Yeah. Um, it followed me. I mean, I had it on every single job application and was asked about it in every single job interview. Mm-hmm. And I would always sign my answer and like t- and they would be, you know, shocked about it. But it would come in handy. Yeah. I would be waiting tables and a deaf group would come in and they'd be like, give it to Chrissy. And I could sign with this group or this family. Um, and that happened multiple times, Mm. um, so many times. And then when I got into the Walnut, I always had to work the shows that we had the PSD, the Philadelphia school for the deaf come in. I always had to work those shows and walk them to their seats and sign with them. 
And then they actually had me train. I was trained in audio description, which is very cool. So I had to learn how to audio describe theater for blind people, which was a really cool experience. I'll bet everyone would be into that because we all watch Netflix on closed captioning. Oh, I want. Yes, I have closed captioning on my Netflix. You're right. And like every like (laughs) I like I love just seeing description of sorrow music playing (laughs) forceful or you know it was a really cool experience i did it i got to do it one time for a patron that came to the theater i got asked to do it a bunch of times but i couldn't because of scheduling stuff but like i did it one time i was able to and i was i was pregnant at the time with my first son and i just sat in the back and i got to watch the show which you know i have a big part of on the other side and i got to describe it into Mm. a little microphone and i'm trying to tell her and um, I was so proud of like how I had done it. And then she comes back in the intermission. She's like, I can't hear anything. I was like, shit, damn it. <laughs> damn oh, it. Oopsies. I was like, oh, can you hear me now? She's like, no. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, I did a really good job. I promise. <laughs> but I never got to do it again because then I had my son and I wasn't able, I just did not have the schedule to do yeah, two, a lot of two stuff. responsibilities at once. Yeah. Three responsibilities at once. Yeah. And my husband's job was just so demanding like he was the head carpenter at the walnut so he Mm. was there all the time so like he was there i mean there were days 7 a.m to 11 p.m multiple days in a row theater is not i mean as much people think it's a joke it is not it is it can be grueling it can be that's why i always say i mean even in high school i mean it was it was as soon as school was done until you know six seven eight o'clock at night you know my mom would come and pick me up and um I was just, you know, being 16, 17 years old. And that was specifically why I quit. I knew I didn't want to put in that work for a role that I didn't want to do. Exactly. It was too much work in my senior year, too much time to spend for a role I didn't want to ever do. Oh, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, once it had happened, it happened. But like in in reality, it wasn't like, you know, the, the me, me. If it wasn't that hard, I would have loved to go and sulk and make and make comments. I should have put me in there, whatever, you know. Like, yeah. but I, it's so much work. It just wasn't anything I I was willing to to put myself through. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean. It's it's a lot to put yourself. That is exactly through. why I didn't do it in the sixth grade. Even though I didn't know really what to expect, I did know that it was going to be a time suck. I knew yeah. that I would have to put a lot of time into. I it. never looked at it like that because it's all I did. Yeah. I didn't. Once I was in. Once I got to middle school, I didn't. I didn't do sports. So when once spring hit and we're doing musicals, once it's January, oh, it's my season. This is yeah. it. January to to the end of March. Like that's. That's when I have shit to do. Yeah. The rest of the time, I, I don't have anything else to do. Yeah. You know. Wow. I mean, yeah, it worked. See, I only but. had I only had lacrosse. I only had that season, um, and I looked forward to it all year. I mean, I actually, as much as it was very uh, emotionally hard, you know, um, mm. it was uh, something I really, really loved. Yeah, you guys are gonna like pra- like I didn't have practice like yeah Jan or uh, September through yeah. December. And- and I have shit to do. I try to do a drama. Uh, and I, I should have talked to Kim Clauder more about this. I know like her and 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 others, I think like Pinchotti and and did like the actual drama in the fall, but I never I never did that. Musicals were my thing. Yeah, I thought there was two. There was a fall and a spring musical. Yeah, right? I was a I was a you know, and that's why I think I'm so hard on Mrs. Reckner because I, I felt like I was a Reckner disciple and mm-hmm. she didn't do the fall drama. I don't know who did that, I'd be honest. 
uh, she did the musicals and I followed her. Okay. I, I do the musicals. And I think that's why I'm so hard on her. And I, and I, I felt so bad about yeah. senior year and like, I'm well, fuck that. Like I'm out. Yeah. Um, as Kim and I talked about, you know, in her episode, th- I, I think it was like, I felt betrayed in that way. Cause I felt like I was, um, I felt like I was building towards, yeah, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, I got a cool part in, in Godspell and then I thought I was like, it was like building up. I do remember seeing Godspell. I've got like, I've got like four stock questions, right? Yeah. Favorite, favorite teacher. Now with you, I didn't have to ask movie because I already knew we were already, already covered that. Right. <laughs> uh, TV was kind of a wash. The last one to really ask you is music. <laughs> well, you already know the answer to this one. I do I? I? Tell- yeah. I mean, I was one of the Dave Matthews <sighs> kids. Yeah. Who'd you go to prom with? Um, Evan. Evan, really? Yeah. Yeah. He was really special. And I don't remember who. Senior year, I went with some guy from private school that Molly, Molly Foose hmm. was like, he wants to come. You should take him. And I was like, okay, well, no one else is. That's so funny. Like, you know, we talk about like the popular kids, cool kid crowd or whatever. Like, I think the idea is that that stuff is like ready made, right? The, the negative of not being in the cool kid crowd is you have no one to date and you have no one to take and you're afraid to ask someone. No, but here, we had those issues. Here you we, are, right? You've got. Yeah. I was like, no one's going to ask me to the fucking prom. It Lizzie was actually, felt the same way. Yeah. It was actually for when Evan asked me, I was absolutely surprised. He, it was junior year. Yeah. I'll never forget. He because Evan, um, <clears throat> Evan, Kevin and I and Natalie we were really close. Mm. I mean, uh, we hung out together all the time and Evan, um, I'll never forget. I was homesick from school. My phone rings. And I answer it. And Evan was like, Chrissy, where were you at school today? And I was like, oh, I'm homesick. And he's like, oh, I was going to ask you to prom, but now I got to call you and ask you. And I was like, I like, think I cried. I was just like, oh, Evan, yes. Like, I, yes. I had no idea that he was mm. going to ask me. I, nobody gave me a heads up. I didn't. There was no like, would you go if he'd ask you? Right. Um, no, he just he just straight up asked me and like a man, like a man. Fucking and we man. had the best fucking time. Um, we would drive around his blue Explorer <laughs> and like play. <coughs> excuse me. We would play um, another one. Bites of dust. Yeah. And I still think of him every single time I hear mm. that song. Um, when he when he passed, I that was very heartbreaking. Um, I reached out to Adrian and because um, I had just had my second son. So I was like holed up in newborn mm. misery. Um, so I didn't make it to his funeral. And I really, really wish that I could have mm. um, said goodbye. He was here. He was here in the city. And when I moved back, we like reconnected and we we're like, we should hang out. And then, of wow. course, we never did. So that really sucks. Tell me about the. uh about the shop. How did that? So you're 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 at the Walnut Street Theater. Yes. Okay. So this is and <laughs> even when I was at the Walnut, which I was very happy there, um, I worked with my best friend. My adult best friend is uh, Mandy. She and I did the we she we worked together in the Walnut and like both promoted within like one after the other. So she was always my like one step ahead of me. She was always mm-hmm. my boss. Um, and we walk to work together every day. We live two blocks away from each other. Like we're, we're best friends. We have a great time. So every day going into work, even as it wasn't like super fulfilling for me on a, you know, a, a career level, I had my best friend there. My husband worked backstage. 
I could do the job in my sleep. Like I just got, I had gotten so used to what I was doing. I was good at my job. Um, I, w- I managed an office uh, that sold the tickets. Mm-hmm. So um, I would have to teach people how to sell. So I'm, I'm a very good salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just, they, you know, I'd hire people, teach them how to sell and then send them on their way. And, and that was what I did. And I remember many points through it. Like I was very woefully underpaid. Um, that's how the walnut gets away with it. They pay you very little. They give you a big bonus and then that, they call it a day. Mm. Um, but like my office sold over $12 million worth of tickets every year. Um, we sold a lot. We were wow. busy. We made a lot of money. Um, and at, when I was there, multiple times, although I was happy, I was comfortable, I definitely had the thought of like, I haven't done anything. Like I haven't done anything really um, that I'm proud of. You know, like it's mm. great to be at the Walnut Street Theater. It's a very high goal. It's a great place to, you know, um, work at if you're a theater person in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, you know, when my kids have to interview someone to talk about, you know, someone they admire, it's not going to be me. I don't have anything to admire. You know, like I haven't oh. done anything really interesting. You like that, really? Yeah, I I was like, oh, my sister, you know, she's a producer for a national news channel. So she's done like crazy things. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, she's gone and and seen lots of cool stuff. Um, So I was like, oh, well, you know, they'll always have Aunt Kathleen to tell cool stories uh, Mm. about things she's seen. But me, I never, you know, I was like, I I do feel like I'm capable of more. I do feel like there's something else that I want to do. And I was always interested in flowers. Whenever... A friend had a shower, a a bridal shower or baby shower. Like I was always like, let me do the flowers. Like I'll buy some. I'm a good florist that I know that I use and I'll go grab flowers from him and I'll I'll make some stuff. And I I did that for a few years and I did it at every single walnut event. Whenever we had a baby shower there, which were so many, that place Mm. like breeds love and babies. I swear to God. So when everything happened, my husband, um, they fired him under some really not cool circumstances. And then they made it really hard for me to be there. Mm. They didn't want me to leave. Um, but I was not like, they weren't, they didn't make it any easier for me. They, nobody, when they fired my husband, they didn't come see me. They didn't like talk to me. They didn't like Mm. do anything. You know, they just expected me to like be okay with it. Do you feel like it happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. It happened to me as well. And I, I definitely felt, um, like the welcome was gone and it was time. So I did, I went on interviews. I got interviews at a bunch of different places and I had horrible interviews. I had one where I was the, um, I probably shouldn't say the name of it, but I was at this one place. It's pretty well known, um, culturally in the city. And he was talking about, um, you know, this, the school at, at a preschool they do work with. And I said, um, you know, Oh, we're looking at that school for our, our son. Oh, you have kids. Mm. The woman who has this job right now, she's got a baby and it's just not working out for us. Oh, wow. And I didn't get that job. Fuck. So I knew that. And I knew in a couple of different interviews um, when the family life stuff came up that it was over mm. and I wasn't going to get that. So I had I had um, a three-year-old, two-year-old and just under one. So I had babies. And Neil and I decided that it would just be best if I just left and stayed at home with the kids so we wouldn't have to pay daycare. And um, so I started out strong. It's a stay-at-home mom. And that is the hardest job I've ever had to have. And I was horrible at it. And it 
I just hated it and I was miserable mm. and I needed something to fill my time. I needed something to, to give me some creative outlet. I needed time away and I needed to do something for me. And I was talking to a friend of mine and she was like, well, you know, if getting a job right now isn't going to happen and isn't your top priority, um, if you guys can get by with just Neil, just go back to school, go do the, do the floral design thing you want to do, go do it. So <clears throat> I signed up for classes and in the meantime, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to start an Instagram um, and just sort of like, you know, show things that I'm doing to my friends. Like I won't let anybody else into it. I'll just, mm. you know, do what I'm doing with classes. I'll show those things on there. Where were you taking classes? Uh, Bucks County Community College. Oh. Um, they have a, a program. And, and I was you were already, there. you were still living in the city at the time? Yeah. yeah so, so it was, drive, it was a two hour County. drive. Wow. Yeah. It was one hour there, one hour back. Um, once a week mm. and the class, I mean, it was only for like five weeks at a time. So it wasn't like, you know, terrible. Um, but from the first class, I was like, oh, this is what I've been missing. This is what I've wanted to mm. do for as long as I can. This is an art. This is something that I am like diving into. And I immediately, I just caught on and I was having like, I just, everything was right. Like I knew how to do things. I was like, just, it was really like natural, it came very natural to me. Um, so in the meantime, I had started my company um, and I had already booked a baby or a bridal shower. So I reached out to Jeff, my old roommate, and I was like, hey, somebody booked me. I got to get legit like right now. Can you make a um, logo for me? And he was like, sure. What do you want it to be? And I was like, ah, just do KDG, my initials. And he was like, no, try again. Give me something else. And I was like, well, in the back of my mind, I had this name that I really, really love. And I figured I would use it, but I'm a little like, I, I don't know, I'm afraid to say it. And Jeff was like, just tell me what's the name. <laughs> it's one of my best friends. And I was like, Myrtle and Magnolia. And he was like, I love it, done. Yeah. He's like, I love it, done. And he already had an uh, MM logo and I he gave me a ton to pick from and I picked that one. Um, and Myrtle is for Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. It's an homage to Myrtle Beach. Um, and Magnolia is for my husband's family. So they love Magnolias and they had a grandmother who lived in Myrtle beach, actually lived down the street from where I lived. Really small world. I thought you were just like a cash money fan. What do you, what do you mean by Magnolia that? Magnolia clap. You I don't know about no that? Idea Magnolia, about. the Magnolia projects down in, down in New Orleans were like Lil Wayne and soldier slim and juvie. No idea. Hmm. No, no, it's just named after my husband. We'll cut family. all that. <laughs> No, it's um, it's my husband's family loves magnolia trees, and we planted one in their backyard. So there's a magnolia tree that grows in their backyard at their house. Um, so I now had a logo. I now had a gig, and I was like, I gotta, I, I gotta make this legit. Like, I'm gonna go get my LLC. I'm gonna get my business license. I'm just gonna do those things. And my husband was like, Why? Like, no, you're home. Like the. What are you talking about? Like, why are you this? You are putting the cart before the horse. Don't do this yet. And I was like, no, 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 no. If I'm going to do someone's event and I'm going to start doing these, like, I just got to get this stuff done. And like, I got to be real and legit. And like that, you know, will help. And he was very much hesitant about mm. it. Um, so because he liked he liked having you home. He did like having me home. Yeah. Um, I hated it. He yeah. loved it. Um, but it also it whenever I would have to do go to class, it meant he couldn't work. He couldn't, oh, you know, yeah. um, so he had to it was really hard on him to have to, you know, make sure that he had to build his schedule around my classes. And like it was just it was really hard on him. And he was not he at first he was just not on board as much to to go the route that I was. Going. He didn't he was like, can't you just do it like small, like sure. little? 
And I was like, I don't do anything little. Yeah. Um, you don't want to dive in for the family. To yeah, dive in, yeah. Yeah. And then like before I knew it, I had a um, friend of mine who wanted me to do her wedding. And where I really blew up was my neighborhood buy nothing group, which you should be in on Facebook. I don't know why you're not in the buy nothing group. You should be in it. Not great on Facebook. Buy nothing is the best group. It's what just it? where you, if you have something in your house that you're not using and you want to get rid of it, you post it and somebody comes and gets it. Like a Sega Genesis? Yes. And someone will come get it from you and they will use it and they will love it. But you don't sell it. You just. No, you just give it away. It's buy nothing. All free. What about books? They will take books. They'll take whatever. You can put whatever you want on it. I've gotten really cool stuff. I've gotten like furniture and I've got a propane heater. for my a coffee the, table. Yes. Coffee tables. for. I've gotten so much furniture from them. Okay. Kids clothes, everything. Um, but I because I had worked in marketing at the Walnut for so long. I already understood a lot about how to appeal mm. to my base. So one of the things I did was I got on by nothing. I posted five arrangements. I said, I'm going to school. I would love to give these away. Oh, that's got a cool. Business. If you've got, you know, I'd love to um, give this to somebody who, you know, is looking for whatever. Um, and I had hundreds. Like This is when the group was really big. Hundreds of comments of like, I would love this. Like, what's your Instagram? Can we follow you? Blah, blah, oh. blah. So. All of a sudden, I started getting proof of concept. Yep. I started getting all these followers. I started getting requests, um, started getting weddings. People were referring me for weddings. And then before I knew it, come, I mean, this was all this was August that I started by April, I needed a, a studio space and I had moved in with a photographer. Um, and then for the next year, I did a lot of events. Mm -hmm. I finished up, I got my CFD, certified floral design. Um, I, I booked two big restaurants. I was their floor or in-house florist. Um, I started, you know, just booking bigger, bigger gigs and, um, better things. I had like a big $10,000 wedding wow. that actually didn't happen because of COVID. Oh. Um, but I had all these big things planned and my, you know, I had my studio and, um, all of a sudden COVID hits. Now the day before everything shut down, I was actually looking at a new retail space on 17th and McKeon mm. and I ran into Kevin Rogers. He oh. was over there and I was like, oh, well, that's a good sign, you know? Um, but the next day everything shut down. So everything shuts down and all my weddings are in limbo. My restaurants have closed. Right. My husband is a stagehand. He, his phone starts beeping, blowing up with like, everything's canceled. Right. Convention center gigs, canceled, Nothing canceled, lied, canceled, yeah. canceled, everything done. So we were at, in a position where he was not going to work and it was not, his job was not going to come back for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also was looking at that, you know, like I don't, I can't, if I don't have weddings, I don't have my restaurants, like. What am I going to do? And I got to, I, it wasn't long before I was like, I need to pivot. Like I, it was immediate. Like I was just like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to figure out what I can do. So slowly I just sort of was like, okay, well I do a lot of plant work for my restaurant for, I worked for Spice Finch. Uh, I was like, I do a lot of plant work for them. I do a lot of container gardening and stuff. All right, let me see if I can do, I'll offer a, a tray. I'll offer a garden tray of 10, 10 plants and I have to get 10 people to sign up for it. Otherwise, I can't do it because I got to buy wholesale, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, so I'll just offer that. And I still have the post on my page because it was, I mean, I was at maybe six or 700 followers at that point. And um, That's awesome. Yeah. But I still was like, you know, it was still small. Um, and I, I posted it and I was like, I need 10 people. If not, you know, no big deal. And I sold 20. And I was like, shit, 
people need something to do. I got off this. Urban jungle's closed. Right. No one, you can't get into Home Depot. Mm. Like everybody's closed. I can deliver. So I'll just offer delivery on this tray and see what happens. I did that. I offered those trays from April 11th to June 1st. Wow. They carried me. I got so many new clients that way. It was amazing. I had and, no idea this was still so new yeah. during during COVID. I, I I thought like you had already been like a few years in, and you were just like I mean I, I was. I mean you had you were you were a few years in on the Instagram, but I I didn't realize you had it like open opened. Yeah, I mean like I a, well I just had different avenues that came to life. You know, Spice Fish so kept me busy. I I was Hiroki, um, Hiroki the Japanese mm. sushi house. I was his florist. I was in there every single week doing his flowers and like. Um, so I had things that were keeping me busy, but just not just only those things, those weddings would come in and I would do them. And then they were, you doing were this out of the house. Hmm? Were you doing this? Out no, of the I house? had a studio. So this you had that. My... Is it that space in Fishtown then? Or is that it was a different one in the same building? So okay. I shared um, a different, a smaller with one with a photographer. Um, but so then I started doing I got Mother's Day and Mother's Day like kicked my ass. I had. Over a hundred orders come in. Um, That's awesome. It was amazing. Is it all through Instagram and word of Instagram, mouth? Instagram, word of mouth, my website, things came through. Um, and it was just like, my phone just kept going, just kept going with orders. And I had three delivery guys that day taking things out. I had pickups. I had like all this stuff. And then I started offering houseplants. Mm. And I started, you know, with Mother's Day because I had all these houseplants and I started putting Us them up on my- basic bitches love that. They love it. They love it. But now my company has just completely like I have so many different avenues. I'm still getting weddings. I'm still I have a whole new thing with um, coffee houses and and salons that's going on. Um, I just feel like I have been nonstop since the, since the shutdown started. I've been completely nonstop and it's been great. Because me and my husband have completely shifted roles. Right. He's, <laughs> like, he's Michael Keaton. Yes, I called him Mr. Mog. He doesn't like that. It's been amazing. Yeah, it's been. It's really what's amazing to me is like when I tell people, I'm like, oh yeah, well, um, I own Myrtle and Magnolia. Oh my god, I love your stuff. Like I love that. I love when people are like, oh, I love your stuff. Or like I'll be wearing my jacket at the park, mm. and someone will come up to me and be like, Are you Chrissy? I'm like, yes. Like oh, that's cool. Oh my god, I bought this from you. Or like, that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's been, it's well the South Philly community is really strong. It's really strong. It's really supportive. Um I feel like they back me a lot. They really want South Philly see, specifically. Yes. Yeah. They really um want to see people um thrive mm -hmm. and they want, you know, they're like they're rooting for me, you know? Like we're doing stuff at um Herman's Coffee now yeah. and I'm like a bunch of my clients are like, "Yes, this is so great. I'm going to pick it up." And it's just been it's been unreal. It really has been an interesting journey because I do have my story mm. now. I have this story that I can tell my kids. Like we went to a pandemic and we were screwed and mom took her business and thrived. I think you're selling the story short because before that you had, you know, this awakening that you weren't doing what you really, really wanted to do. Yeah. And, you know, I love to always bring it back to the beginning <laughs> with these podcasts. Yeah. But we, you know, in the very beginning of this podcast, we started with you talking about a lot of 
alone time, a yeah. lot of, you know, time to yourself as almost like an only child. And when you talk about it, like, it's just me in my, in my space, like by myself, it's yeah. like, I love those days where I can just come in and I have to, I got to make a wreath. I got to make an arrangement. I got to make a couple bouquets and I'm just by myself. And I listen to my favorite murder podcast, or I listen to this. I listen to this a lot, there too, you go. which is great. Um, but yeah, I definitely like, I like love that time by myself. Like I really, Allie was actually doing a schedule for us to start sticking to because we really need to start scheduling. And she was like, and Tuesdays are going to be your design day. You by yourself. I was like, thanks. That's what I need. <laughs> like, mm. I need to be alone. I like really, really enjoy my alone time. Um, but yeah, it, it's been really amazing. Um, really amazing to, to feel the support that I've had from not only my community, but like friends um, and just watching it grow and grow has been really cool. And like bigger and bigger projects and bigger and bigger um, events. Mm. And, you know, I, I have more ideas. Like I had, there's so like that marketing experience in me had taught me to keep thinking, like keep producing the ideas, keep elaborating, keep evolving the idea. Mm -hmm. So I do, I continue to be like, okay, well, I want to do these market bouquets, but guess what? I'm also going to do these salon bouquets. And guess what I'm also going to do like for little, you know, coffee yeah. shops, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I really, I really run with it and I see what sticks. Legit. The reason why I don't have, I was told at eh, like four or five months ago, you got to get some fucking plants. On you, here. you really do. And all I've done is put, I had some scallions I was growing for a while. I did like four <laughs> or five rounds of scallions. Uh, and then that was, that was it. Um, so literally the reason why I don't is because I don't feel right doing it anywhere else. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, <laughs> I swear. I, cause I was like, I can't, I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to get it anywhere else other than Aww, from you. Oh, that's awesome. And I would feel like dirty. <laughs> I told you like the like the <laughs> down here they they do plants down here like the lady has stuff. My mom would buy stuff on her mother's day or whatever, all different types of but like I want to have the I want to have your experience. Oh. Yeah. I will definitely help you with this. This is this is not hard. These are four It's very easy. Very perfect windows to get a pot in with some plants. Yeah. No, and this is very very. I'm a, you know, whatever is a good idea, I am 100% in to do. All right. I will help you out with that. I'm more than happy to help yes. you out with that. And I'm happy that you that sweatshirt fits. <laughs> I fucking love this thing. <laughs> All right. You have to mine. There's no way I signed your yearbook. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, Kate Malt. She was a good friend of mine, too. I'm reading some of these. Oh. So, Christine Elizabeth Shuck. Mm -hmm. Field I'm hockey. Named after Chrissy from Three's Company. Oh, me. okay. <laughs> um, right under Steph Schneck, right above Tom Scuderi. Yes, I was behind Steph Schneck in homeroom every year. She was my buddy. Field hockey, nine. Key club, 10 through 12. Lacrosse, nine through 12. Junior class committee. What page is this? 47. Okay. Um, if you're following for the along for the yes. at home version. <laughs> Junior class committee, I guess so. Iliam? Nope. No idea. For 12th grade and health careers. You also put condoms 
Juan. Is that yes? Or is that AIDS? Is that AIDS? Uh, it was condoms in school. It was condoms. So you also you, put the put the condoms on the bananas with Leslie and oh no 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 oh. no. Are you looking at health careers? Yeah. So what I wasn't that? in health careers. This was a typo. I don't know why they put that there. I remember thinking when they when I saw it, I was Get like, out. I don't know why that has health careers on it. I didn't ever. You didn't do it. No, I was never interested in health. So what careers. did you think I was talking about? I thought you were talking about one of my projects I did in Miss um, Nepali Sci class. Oh, where it was we had to pick like a controversial subject and do um, a project on it. I did condoms in school and I, every O in condoms in school had condoms in it and she loved it. She loved it. She was the best. Loved her. She's great. Save tonight. So you're Eli Cherry fan. Mm -hmm. Save tonight. Oh my God, it is. I was just going off that one fucking line. Mm -hmm. Save tonight. Fight. Save tonight. Fight the break of dawn. Come tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be gone. It's for you, Heather. Thanks, Natalie, Karen, and Leah for an amazing friendship. AP. There's a reason, there's a very specific reason why that person is number one. AP. Um God, I hate when I can't think of this. Ann Patterson. Oh, Ann Patterson. Oh, that's horrible. AO. Oh, Adrian. Leah Wenger, Leslie LW. Weber. Oh, Leslie Weber. Oh, because you, you already have Leah in Leah. there. Uh, AC Alicia Conti, mm-hmm. RL. Um, Rena Lewis. Rena Lewis. Okay. KR. I know. We're, I'm right on the R's right here. Kevin Rogers. Oh, geez. You know, it's funny when girls put guys, I can't guess it. Oh, they, yeah, because you think you assume it's all girls. Yeah, and in my head, Same, like, yeah. yeah, girls thought guys were yucky, and yeah, no, Kevin and I were buds. We were real close. M M. I I gotta tell you, I'm, I feel like I'm out of practice. Melissa with this. Morgatan. E W. Evan Wallace. Evan Wallace. It's a nice mix for showing me what high school was about. Yeah. Rob, you're my inspiration. My brother, who turned out to be a major asshole. I'm just going to scratch this. <laughs> Fuck Rob. Fuck you. So really, I mean, you know, you're you're one of um, you're probably it's funny. Everyone's always a little bit different, but you're one of the one of the people I think that high school was uh, an extremely transformative mm-hmm. experience for you. And um you didn't come in. It doesn't sound like you came into it having that experience, but it feels like that it, it it transformative. It happened over the four years, but in such a profound way that I don't think I hear a lot of people talk about it still having that effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then like the most positive, like it's just really, um, I don't know, profound or even just for the for the aspect of what this show is, you know, how positive high school was. Yeah, I mean, you. maybe I forgot all the bad stuff, you know, maybe I moved on, but I do feel like, yeah, I mean, I do feel like there was definitely times where it was hard to get up and go to school in the morning. Or- but I mean, you know, I mean, but that's what I mean, like, you know, the hard from from the personal side, you know, and everything that you were going through in life. I mean, you even say it here, you know, thanks for showing me what high school was about. And I mentioned, you know, your friends have have definitely mentioned that like they felt like the friendship was was really really important to you yeah um to where they felt like you were vocal about it um and so yeah i mean it just really does feel like high school was such an important part in your life where i feel like a lot of it was just like 
just trying to get the fuck through. And, and yeah. luckily I found my way after that. Yeah. This helped you because of this, you found your way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like having that, like, I think I've said it about three or four times in the interview, but like that support system, those friends just carried me and just made a part of my life not as hard. Mm. You know, they really did. And they supported me. And I will go as far as say as they loved me. I do think that we all loved each yeah. other, like for sure. That's so fucking incredible. You quoted Eagle Eye Cherry. But look at the quote. I meant that. Like I was leaving. I meant that. Oh, like, I didn't even think about very, the. I didn't even was, like look at the words. Be honest. I was so. I love the song so much. I was too. just like just so in it. it yeah. Was so a, let me read it normal. Yeah. Save tonight. Fight the break of dawn. Come tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be gone. I meant that. And you were fucking out. I meant that. I was leaving. Before we close this out, do we want to talk about dimples really quick? <laughs> Just as as two black. I mean, I'm I've got this monstrosity going on in my face, but um, you know, what do you what do you we, mean? We've got the dimple game on lock. <laughs> I have some pretty good dimples, I will say. That was a very it was a nickname for sure. Are my dimples? Did you see them in my picture or something? Oh yeah, you've got yeah, you've got them in there. And I'm like, am I smiling? Is that smiling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're deep. They are. Do you know when I was a baby, mm-hmm. I got an Oreo cookie crumb stuck in my dimple and I was laughing so hard that my sister couldn't get it out of my dimple. See? It was so big. I've got them. <laughs> I've got them. They're too. hidden under your beard. They're right completely now. hidden, but they're they are there and they're incredible. Just in case anyone's wondering. Hey, neighbor. <laughs> Thanks for the cheese. I know we're neighbors. <laughs> Which we never see each other. But you know what's funny is that I only know that we're neighbors because I did see you when I first moved here. I ran I into you and your husband. To talk to you about that because you definitely gave me a. Oh, did I? Yes, you did. Oh, let's talk about it. And you're not the first person to do that to me too that I ran into in high school. So I I wasn't a bitch. I don't think. But maybe. no, no. If I did that, that was I like I don't have any memory of like any bad thing. I probably had like anxiety or was like or preemptive defensive like then I like, you know, running into you six years ago. I probably did have hang up about that shit <laughs> and was like, oh, God, Chrissy, cool kid, knew her from camp, never fucking talked to me ever again after that. Like, that's the type of shit that I would like, you know what I mean? Like, just no relationship. She like hated me like you whatever and it's like oh all right pull together corbin like all right so try and seem cool in this like it's like oh okay what's up and you know i don't know that's so funny because i feel like i feel like i just kind of knew i knew i knew who everybody was i don't think there's anybody that i flipped through here don't that i say that you i mean no i'm sure i feel like i knew most people no you didn't yes i did i'm looking at all these faces and i'm like yeah I, uh, favorite yeah, bo young yeah. story go Oh, Bo Young and I, no, oh, Bo Young Go. We played lacrosse right. together. She was awesome. She was funny. I love Bo Young Go. All anyway, right. Hear that. Don't put Bo right. Young Go on me. All right. Now I'm going to go for my go to favorite, favorite Scott Jordan story. Scott Jordan and I had English together. Jesus Christ. All right. Yep. No, he was a cool kid. I liked him. We had English and then we were in those like the Happy Shanley class. All right. Favorite Kim Romanowski story. Go. Oh, Kim Romanowski was really funny. Oh, no, right, she came, she Jesus was in Christ. school with Elena. Yeah, she went to she and Elena went to school together, and then she came. They both came in high school. Mm-hmm. She, Elena, Kim Romanowski, and um, Christy Benedict all were in a different school together, and they all came in at the same time. 
So Elena was friends with her and they were. Favorite Dia Kennedy story? Oh, Dia Kennedy. I didn't have a lot of classes with her. And did she graduate with us? Mm-hmm. She was really sweet. She, had, I remember her hair. She had really pretty hair. She's really pretty. She's really pretty in general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Favorite Anthony Troop story? Who? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Troop? All right. Hey, neighbor. Thanks for the cheese and good conversation. Looking forward to more movie screenings. Hearts. Pretty. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for um, breaking <laughs> breaking the barrier on this fucking quarantine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, check with with me over the next 10 days just to make sure that you know that neither one of us got sick yeah yeah but this was like such a um so needed you know at times when you're doing them like this and i know people are listening but it's not necessarily the interaction i wanted and it's great that everyone's out of town because it's hard you know how was i going to get them all anyway would have spent ridiculous amount of money on airfare and all that my Frequent flyer miles weren't all like that, but like when it's just like, all right, let me find another out of town or out of town, or it's nice to have been able to get back to basics mm-hmm. and do a real face to face. And um, I already feel like it was a, such a different conversation than what I usually have like this. I felt like um, I felt like I haven't lost it. Yeah, you no, know, like no, you, you're when bad. you do them like this, you, you just go like, I don't know, I don't know if it was great. I have to listen back to it, but like this felt more like this has felt like the the fun I was having. This in is the what very you want to do with it. You don't want to do them through Zoom. Yeah, and that's no offense to to anybody yeah. um, that it did it like hard. that. It's just different and not what I expected um, when this all started. I'm very grateful even to have this to have this connection from a social standpoint. While I can't really see that many people, but. Um, this is just so appreciative. I'm going to like cherish like being able to do this for like the next couple of months. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, <sighs> it's a great place to end it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Thanks, Chrissy. Thank you. This was great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was fun. All right. That was my conversation with Chrissy DeGroot. It felt like so many important markers in her life, whether they be good or bad. I felt like I started stumbling onto a lot of those different issues in my own life with family drama, divorce, acting, and trying to start your own business. There's a lot that I could talk to Chrissy about and listen in return for her point of view and her perspective and apply it to different things that I think about as well. I don't know that there's much more for me to add other than it just felt so good again to be able to have a face-to-face podcast once again. I don't know how many of these I'll be able to do. This was a very special situation in that I think Chrissy felt like she owed me one a little bit and it was just very easy to do because she's here. I'm open to doing more of these in the future. I just want to make sure that we're being smart and everyone is comfortable with the precautions that we're taking. So we'll see how things play out. I'm still working on more interviews, obviously, with this just getting done Wednesday. This one really got done at the wire. But don't worry, there will be another podcast in two weeks. Like the Facebook page, WWFNHS. Follow the Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. And like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
youtube.com slash redshirtplan. Guys, this has been a long week. I can't thank Chrissy enough. Make sure you check out Myrtle and Magnolia, myrtleandmagnolia.com, at Myrtle Magnolia on Instagram. I'm going there this week to get my windows taken care of, and uh, I'll be putting up some pictures and maybe some video of what Chrissy can come up with for me. I'm excited to get some grown-up swag in my windows. It's been a long time coming. All right, that is it for me. I will see everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning for episode 218. Later.